Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusaders. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. Where are we? What the hell is going on? The dust has only just begun to fall. Crop circles in. Say mm, that it's all for the best. 
Stella, and this is Back of the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, Killing Joke Special. I feel like it's going to be a part one, episode 82 for July MMXIV. Back of the Oracle, as always, is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Examples of the prices you may encounter are September's Backroll Futures End, number one, and the final issue of Birds of Prey, Birds of Prey, Futures End, number one, both for $2.69. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Also, Backroll to Oracle is brought to you by tweakedaudio.com, high-performance noise-reducing earbuds. Purchasers who use the code TBUSAVES get 33% off the whole order and free worldwide shipping. TweakedAudio.com, plug in, turn up the volume, and give us a try. Well, I think I've sort of traveled through all the stages of grief. Originally, I was just going to read The Killing Joke 20 minutes before recording right now. <laughs> but my my co-host oh said that would not be a good idea. Someone actually encouraged me to read it as I was going along um, to encourage tears, I guess. So I read it, I guess, on Tuesday? No, it must have been Monday. It was Monday. Yeah, and I had, like, total social media, like, silence. I think people were very concerned. Donovan and, and Josh texted in and everything. So here we are, and and I think that this is a big moment for the show and, and for Babs, obviously, and, and for listeners and everything, because this is, like, the pinwheel that we're, we're switching. We're about to switch from Backroll to go over to Oracle. And it's such a big moment that I wanted someone to be on with me, if anything, to cradle me or talk me down off the ledge if, it, if I get too close. And so I decided to invite this guy on. It's probably going to be his last venture on because I've gotten hate mail that he's been on too much and mentioned too much. He's like a minor cast member. But uh, please welcome again for the 533rd time, Donovan Morgan Grant. Hello. <laughs> I came to talk. Yeah. I've been thinking about you and me lately, oh. about what's going to happen to us by the end of this podcast. What in the world? We're going to kill each other, aren't we? Maybe you'll kill me. Maybe I'll kill you, perhaps sooner, perhaps later. I just want to know that I made a genuine attempt to try to talk over this story. It's life and death we're talking about here. Maybe my death, maybe yours. But I don't want your death on my hands, Stella! 
especially after what you did last episode when you talked about my podcast that Jesse and I host, and you got com- everything completely wrong. Completely right. You've been lying to your show people for ages, and I want to clear the air now, and I hope that they leave your show and come and follow me. What kind of horrible thing? <laughs> I can't believe... Uh, okay. The next submission, Dragon Ball Z podcast, where we cover the manga and anime phenomenon, DBZ, slash... Which can be found at dbznextmission.listen.com says the truth about the series in terms of like you know it's Japanese version, it's American version, or the American dub, and it's nothing to do with Team Rocket or Z's and balls or throwing things. Whatever lies and falsehoods you perpetrate on episode eighty-one. Uh, I told I told Jesse, don't drink anything when you're listening to this episode because uh, you'll choke and die. And I need you alive so we can take our revenge. Well, here's the thing. Listeners, they need to decide. I mean, they're going to be drinking Kool-Aid no matter what. And they need to either drink my Kool-Aid or your Kool-Aid. <laughs> and I really think that my Kool-Aid is much better. And you're going to live longer. I think you're going to have... Of, what, what kind of club are we running here? With, like, <laughs> it's a cult. My podcast is like, that's its ultimate goal, is by the end we all walk around and and chant and things like that. So I guess the, the spoiler is out. Hey, we're having fun right now, and we will for a, a little bit. I think we'll do some, some happy news. But I do want to just have a serious caveat that... Um, this is a mature story, so like some things that we talk about are slightly disturbed. I guess I should read it in for mature. Well, it. I mean, there's some disturbing moments in it, and I think our discussion. Like, I'm sort of preparing myself that will. I even texted Donovan and said I'm really nervous. I'm going to get upset at you. I, I I feel like there may be a couple of rants at least on my side on some of the things that go on. So just like a caveat that it may get heated, but Donovan and I we still love each other very much, you know. Before it goes, and and of course this is just our discussion here, and then we'll have that call-in show where people like you will be calling in and talking, and and in between we have some reader emails as well, and some creators wrote into me. So, very exciting. So, first, this news bit, and then we'll get into Killing Joke. Donovan, what happened on Thursday? The the 7th, what was it? The 10th of July? Um, was it two days ago? I believe. Well, I was in the middle of my AP workshop when I got this text. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I was so, in the middle of sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> that's this great. Test. Oh, yeah, you said. Yeah, so what what happened? Well, uh, sad news for Kill Simone Batgirl fans is that uh, she is off the title for reals this time, Zio. Mm-hmm. And um, we are getting a brand new direction. It is going to be a, a background. I'm not seeing anything that says it's going to get, get a new number one, but there's going to be a completely new gear shift for the character of Barbara Gordon. I'm reading the link up now because there was some mm-hmm. audio that played automatically like on mute. But. Oh. We have um, a new writer in Cameron Stewart, who I'm usually used to as an artist, more so than a writer. But with but with him is Brendan Fletcher to co-write the book, and a new artist named Babs Tar. And Babs is getting a decidedly more, I would say, a decidedly less gloomy and a lot more femme pop look to her. Uh, we see her in a brand new costume. Uh, she's wearing uh, several uh, earrings and ear studs in her ears, and at least in one image. And um, should I just read some off the interview, uh, that, uh, which you can find on MTV.com of all places, or should I just generally describe what's going on? Do you, well, we can. How long is this interview? Is it pretty intense? Essentially, <laughs> while you while you pause for time, Batgirl is not only getting a new direction, but she's getting a completely new costume. It's a lot more outwardly purple than like you know, kind of like dark, 
uh, purple. Uh, and the, the, the yellow is brighter. She's having a mm-hmm. smile on her face in every image. And there's a lot more leather and Velcro and straps look to it than, like, you know, body armor and fighting form looks. This looks a bit more of a... Basically, this is a lot more of a uh, positive outlook, Barbara Gordon, that we've been begging to see for years. Uh, in one image, she has green eyes, and the other one, she has blue eyes. I'm not sure which one. Actually, she has green eyes in the whole thing. I'm not sure if that's right or not. But um, there's a cover image. I think it's taking place during DC Comics' selfie month, where she's taking a picture of herself in the mirror, along with a lot of other girls. And there's a big, like, youth culture vibe to it, which they've described as she'll be in, she'll be uh, inundated with a lot of people with that are her age she'll be living next to like you know shoe stores and coffee shops and places and essentially it's virtually a completely different title just with you know the same character and the same general uh crime finding moniker i am so happy <laughs> uh, but um uh, before i say more i think uh people will want to hear what your thoughts on this so i mean the interview I, I think at some point i'll find when it's when all their they kind of collated everything but i can't find that website but uh basically like they even you know, touch on the fact that she has been through a lot. And, uh, you know, not only, obviously, the being paralyzed, which we don't, I mean, we can assume we know how that happened, uh, but then getting back, but getting back to everything, and then, you know, with the Joker returning, with the death of the family in New 52, and, of course, her brother and everything, she's been through a lot in this particular book. And I think they, they notice and they, they recognize that it has taken this, like, super dark and, and, just grim turn for the character that should be lighter, which is what I've been saying all along. And and I think everything that they've said, almost diving into, I think, the youth culture more so, uh, that they want to bring it back to a, a lighter day, I think very much uh, vis-a-vis, you know, Stephanie Brown and, and the Brian Q. Miller run. And, uh, you know, I'm obviously she's, like, younger, uh, which makes me question just, you know, what does that mean, like, in terms of are they kind of rebooting it but keeping in the same number? Because they're coming back with number 35. So it's mm-hmm. not like they're starting over, starting over. But I, I think something has to be explained there. And uh, she's going back to, to school, which I think is great because uh, she wasn't doing anything with her degrees anyways. And we already established in issue number 32 with Simone that she was 15 in college. So looking this young, I think, is not as much of an issue. And, and I think it's great to potentially – uh, just mark what the tone will be because if I mean she's happy in these pictures my goodness I mean you know she's not making a grimace she's not uh, super serious and punching some guy's teeth out she's happy she's enjoying life um, you may like or hate selfies and the word and everything but I, do. I, I think it's great when co- yeah I know you do I think it's great when like true life culture is incorporated and how would these heroes living in that actually be dealing with that and I think um, Fraction did or has done and is doing a great job with Kate just like that where she, I don't know, just weird stuff happens to her but it's super funny to watch her do that and Babs certainly seems like the type of person who would be using technology and would be probably using uh, that kind of stuff to either connect with or um, maybe utilize. Hopefully there's some sort of mystery investigative uh, event and everything. And Don, you said, you know, do you think this could get, I I don't know if you said cliche when we talked about it, um, just like too much, you know, that she's encountering these hipsters or whatever and a coffee shop and everything. And I think it it depends on how it is done uh, because I think if you unload everything on the reader in one issue, then it's going to be too much and be like, oh my gosh, you're just trying to 
completely overhaul this character. But I think first and foremost, what I want them to do is focus on Batgirl. I mean, I talked about that in the previous podcast that this the title had turned into big letters and friends, little letters, Batgirl. And I think if we can get back to who Babs is and everything, I think that's going to be great. And I my one concern, though, is that are we trying to make her like Stephanie Brown? And Because, I mean, that was the winning ticket. That was the winning formula that Brian K. Miller had. Um, and I think that if we can get her in school and everything, that is great. And we can focus on both sides of those lives. And really, who is Barbara? Who is Barbara as Batgirl? But she's really got to be Barbara Gordon. She can't be Barbara Gordon trying to be Stephanie Brown. So that that is my only one fear, but I am really excited. Obviously, there's some you know nervousness because with change, but it needed a change. And that mm-hmm. irony is like this happened after that podcast dropped. <laughs> uh, so the irony is like, oh my gosh, was DC listening? But it just like the character was not who she should have been and who I think people deserve to be reading and I think this potential it's a drastic change from what we were reading for 33 issues but I, I think it's a well needed change and I'm super excited about it oh yeah no uh, when we talked about it the other day on the phone I was saying like I, I am wondering if this is going to be a bit if the change is going to be heavy handed because in every image is you know it's a great these are great images but at the same time I'm wondering if it's going to be like you know coffee shops and selfies like every issue and i don't want to be like you know disparaging say well that's that's what's going to be because we've not seen a preview yet but um honestly really and truly like i would take anything in towards this direction more so than like what we've gotten because i'm sorry I, gail simone's back i'm not, I'm not i made no secret of this this isn't any news but gail simone's back girl i just I, I I hated it. Never got any better from issue one. I, I I never liked that book. So I'm glad that like this is a complete. This is exactly what you said you wanted. Like just a complete a complete change, a complete different direction. And um, luckily she's still alive. They didn't kill her off like you threatened last month. So um, no, I, I'm excited. I mean I mean I've been so disenfranchised with DC Comics lately, but this is the first one in months I'm going to legitimately pick up just because I'm very excited for this title. Mm-hmm. Just on the fact that, like, it not, not, and it's not, it's more so than Gil Simone being off the book, but, like, the, the, the direction it's taking is, like, some of the lightest and most positive DC's ever produced since New 52. Like, this, this, is, the, this is the most, like, uh, the brightest comic book I've seen them advertise ever since 2011. Right. So yeah, I'm 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 gonna check this out at the very least, and I hope to uh, learn more about it at, at Comic Con in a couple of weeks. Yeah, which is something that I think is great. And if they were, I, I think the first one was always gonna be the toughest one because they came in with New Fifty Two, everything was super dark surrounding Batman. There was no light. There, I mean, Alfred was perhaps the lightest character because he was making jokes, but I, I think it was just so hard to break away from that that. If one book is able to do it, then I think more are able to come. And that's not saying that every book in the Bat Family needs to be light and fun, but there needed to be some light in all of that darkness because reading that in and out is just, it's its so depressing. It makes me want to watch Sean the Sheep to break it up like I do when I watch too much Sons of Anarchy. So um, <laughs> no, I, I'm super excited about this. And, and it comes along with um, the Gotham Academy, is that what it's called? Yeah. Which actually, you know, I thought, oh, this is a weird idea. It's kind of like that defunct um, pitch that they almost made for a cartoon. But then I looked at the image and I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? That could actually be pretty fun. So with two fun books, bringing something in, 
Uh, this could be a really exciting era in New 52, and I've sort of resigned myself that New 52 is continuing on. So if I can add something that's like sugar to all the bitter medicine, then that's going to be awesome. Sugar? <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to sing some Mary Poppins. That would have been more appropriate. Well, on the MTV link, they said that like the song that's playing would be... Oh, 212 by Azalea Banks featuring Lazy J, Should which I've not heard of. Play so. that in this episode. Why not? That seems that seems it would, be, it would fit the news. And, and this kind of book seems like it would be announced by MTV first because it seems like it would be right up its alley. But um, mm-hmm. it's interesting because it's like they're really playing it as sort of like she's not a teenager; she's a college age character. But it's like you know, it's a lot like what they've done with Spider Man for a while in Marvel, like the whole the, the whole youth advo- uh, advocation. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I've always had a, had a kind of thing with Batgirl because even though she she's called Batgirl, the Barbara Gordon character, she's always been like a young woman. And I remember in, in like Simone's title, she says, "I'm not Batwoman, I'm Batgirl," and that never made any sense to me because like the, the character of Barbara Gordon herself was anything but like a girl. But this one, it seems like they're they're getting more into like the the younger aspect, which. You know, there's, there's, in this 2014 age, it's playing to a part of culture which is at, the, at this point viable. I'm sure in 10 years' time it's going to be insanely dated, but let's just have fun with it while it's out here. Yeah, you bet. Okay, well, after that jolly peppiness, uh, I think we we should probably get into <laughs> the other <laughs> thing, uh, mainly because we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about, i got to say. I mean, given my notes, I'm sure you've made notes, and I know you've got some history coming in as well, so you're going to make me look bad. But uh, I guess this is the last chance to turn off your audio devices before you know. No, 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 listen. <laughs> you're six years old. What'd you say? Don't, don't turn us off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They would if they drink my Kool-Aid. They do what I want them to do. Okay, uh, so this is The Killing Joke. Writer Alan Moore, artist Brian Boland, and colorist John Higgins. And this came out in 1988. So the plot revolves around a largely psychological battle between Batman and his longtime foe, the Joker, who has escaped from, well, would you believe, Arkham Asylum. The Joker intends to drive James Gordon, the police commissioner of Gotham City, insane in order to prove that the most upstanding citizen is capable of going mad after having just one bad day. Along the way, the Joker has flashbacks to his early life, gradually explaining his origin. The man who would become the Joker is an unnamed engineer who quits his job at a chemical company to become a stand-up comedian, only to fail miserably. Desperate to support his pregnant wife, he agrees to guide two criminals into the plant for a robbery. During the planning, the police come and inform him that his wife has died in a household freak accident involving an electric baby bottle heater. Grief-stricken, the engineer tries to withdraw from the plan, but the criminals strong-arm him. What, what are you doing? Oh, I'm so sorry. I was <laughs> oh my gosh. I I'm sorry. Breaking the ten- I'm just going to be Donovan and break the tension with weird noises. Oh, it's all like that. Uh-huh. But the criminals strong arm him into keeping his commitment to them. At- <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk like that. Yeah. I apologize. At the plant, the criminals make him don a special mask to become the infamous Red Hood. 
Unknown to the engineer, this disguise is simply the criminal scheme to implicate any accomplice as the mastermind to divert attention from themselves. Once inside, they almost immediately blunder into security personnel and a violent shootout and chase ensues. The criminals are gunned down and the engineer finds himself confronted by Batman, who is investigating the disturbance. I guess at that time he'd be the Batman. Mm -hmm. Panicked. The engineer deliberately jumps into the chemical plant's toxic waste catch basin vat to escape Batman and is swept through a pipe leading to the outside. Once outside, he discovers to his horror that the chemicals have permanently bleached his skin chalk white, stained his lips ruby red, and dyed his hair bright green. Huh. This turn of events, compounding the man's misfortunes of that one day, drives him completely insane and results in the birth of the Joker. Okay, so that's all in the past. In the present day, oh, this is where ugh, the Joker kidnaps Gordon shoots and paralyzes his daughter Barbara and imprisons Gordon, naked might I add, mm -hmm. in a rundown amusement park. We're going to talk about that. His henchman then, of course, yeah, we, we strips naked Gordon and cage him in the park's freak show. He chains Gordon to one of the park's rides and cruelly forces him to view giant pictures of his wounded daughter in various states of undress. Once Gordon completes the maddening gauntlet, which I actually I tr looked at those pages for many times, and I wondered if he actually went through the ride several times or if it was just once. The Joker ridicules him as an example of the average man in a naive weakling doomed to insanity. As Batman arrives to save Gordon, the Joker retreats into the funhouse. Gordon's sanity is still intact despite the ordeal, and he insists that Batman capture the Joker by the book in order to show him that our way works. Batman enters the funhouse and faces the Joker's traps, while the Joker tries to persuade his old foe that the world is inherently insane and thus not worth fighting for. Eventually, Batman tracks down the Joker and subdues him. Batman then attempts to reach out to him to give up crime and put a stop to their years-long war. The Joker declines, however, ruefully saying it's too late for that, far too late. He then tells Batman a joke that was started earlier in the comic, which is funny enough to make the normally stone-faced Batman laugh. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about if that's the reason why he's laughing. And while they're laughing, Batman reaches across the Joker. The picture moves away from the two foes, and Joker's laugh stops abruptly while Batman continues laughing, leaving the reader wondering what happened to the Joker. But you can kind of see in the puddle um, that there's a light coming, and it seems like it's the police with the color, so he probably gets uh, arrested there. Um, well, yeah, I think so. Okay. I just, uh, I think to know where we're at right now, uh, what were your first reactions when you read this for the first time? When was it that you read? I just said that it was this week. So when did you first read this and what were your first reactions if you can think about it uh, back then? Oh gosh. Um, I don't, I don't exactly remember when I first read this. I know I definitely have seen the comic before in my comic shop with like the image of, you know, the killing joke mm -hmm. suggested for mature readers with joker in the camera and just like the the, the the image looks so creepy that i was like i probably shouldn't read this till i'm older uh, which is a good decision i definitely knew what the majority of like, the bulk of what went on in this comic book before i read it just by you know just like being a batman fan i found my way learning some of the uh the the gorier details but i don't remember reading this um i don't exactly remember when i first read this but i do know that like i have I, i'm reading this now off my copy of uh the DC Comics stories by Alan Moore, which is a big collection, because it also collects the stories that he's done for um, Superman, like, you know, for The Man Who Has Everything, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, uh, a Clayface Batman story, a few Green Lantern stories, uh, a really excellent 
vigilante two-parter I like and other various other stories he's done for DC before <laughs> he would claim that they betrayed him. This is how I typically read the Killing Joke. This is how I typically own the Killing Joke. And I would also like to say this this contains the original coloring. Uh, I know in 2008. Uh, Brian Boland, who wanted to cover this comic himself, but somehow didn't, and was really dissatisfied with the original coloring, went back and colored it himself, which has a lot more of a more bleaker, darker, monochrome tone. Do you know which version that you, that you own that you've uh, read this off of? For instance, the big, the big, the big tell is that this one. Jo- it was an original, 1988, I think. Okay, yeah. so like uh, one of the bigger uh, differences is that like in this, the original comic, Batman has his yellow oval, and the recolored version he doesn't. And like uh, when Joker comes out of the chemical bath at Ace Chemicals, for no reason his eyes bleed in the new version, whereas originally they didn't. And like ge- generally, the original version has the colors are a lot more garish and bright and. Just kind of warm colors, where the, where the later one has sort of a darker, more traditionally Batman color palette to it, and I kind of prefer the original one myself. My first reactions to it, just generally speaking, I remember when I first learned what happened to Barbara. I thought that was like the most insanely awful thing, and I, I really want to talk this out as we talk our way through the story, and so I'll kind of elaborate on it later. It's one of those things that, as as awful as I thought that was, I kind of put it in the back of my head in terms of like the story's legacy and what it's telling about the Joker and <laughs> I didn't mean to pronounce it that way and um and other aspects of the story which are a lot more rem- remembered even though Barbara's uh paralyzation is, is probably the most remembered thing about it I-, I think myself and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of other readers kind of just like disregarded that and put blenders on that you know and put the story as, as this story and I'll talk about that later because that's a big point I'd like to bring up and discuss but yeah, I remember this being a story. This is a story that I remember having a lot of hype around it. And when I finally read it, I <laughs> I, had, I, I, I liked it. And uh, do I still like it now? Well, maybe we'll see. <laughs> well, going into it, I think you like it. I mean, I may change your perspective on some things, but I think your your first reaction may stick. Can um, I ask, um, um, because you, you said, I mean, obviously you've not read this before. Just mm-hmm. really briefly, uh, to what extent... Did you know about what happened in this story? I knew. I mean, I had seen countless panels just of the shooting itself, the, the top four. Um, I don't think I had ever seen the bottom two panels of that, that six-panel spread where the Joker is actually, like, s- reaching for Babs and, like, starting to undress her top. Yeah. Because that's that's not really on the web whenever I was – I don't think I've ever Googled Killing Joke, but Googling like Oracle or Barbara Gordon, like inevitably that pops up. I don't think I ever saw the pictures in the, um, the Charlie and the Choco Factory little tunnel that they go through. And I certainly didn't know about uh, Jim Gordon, which actually super duper bothered me. You know my take on nakedness, but it doesn't really have to do with that. But yeah, that really bothered me. So I guess I, I only knew like 30% of it because I only had seen – her opening the door, getting shot, falling backwards, that kind of thing. So you legitimately didn't know a lot of like the whole. Uh, I didn't know, no, and and I mean, I knew overall, like, well, this is she gets shot, and I think I heard rumblings of like sexual assault, and I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about, and kind of just went on in my ignorance because I wasn't at that point yet. I didn't want to deal with it yet, and that's why I had never read it because I wasn't, I just wasn't there, and I didn't. <laughs> want to cause myself pain unnecessarily until I really had to. But when I, you know, when I actually read it, I mean, I was I was angry at some things. I'm actually angry at some things Batman does, to be honest. I just was sickened by the whole affair in question. 
and of course you know what I'm talking about. And yeah. and overall, I, I just I I didn't really like it. And afterwards, like I, I I was regretful that I had to read it. I mean, I understand why I had to, but I just thought you know my life perhaps would have been better without having to see like <laughs> this stuff. Because I mean, I don't think I've ever been in a position where something terrible has happened to a character that I love. And, and I think. Even Cass, I mean, she's turned into a villain, but I think there are far worse things potentially that could happen to her. And, and, you know, I think about uh, Kyle Rayner's girlfriend that, that happened to her. And, and I was thinking to myself, you know, there were pro- I, was it, it wasn't Jade, was it? I was trying to think about this. No, uh, Kyle Rayner's girlfriend, when he first became Green Lantern, it yeah. was his girlfriend, Alex DeWitt. Yeah. So, I mean, and maybe there are people out there who, like, that is their top DC character, Alex DeWitt. And to have that happen to her, you know, gets shoved in a refrigerator, which, you know, spawned all that. I'm just thinking, you know, I've never been in this position to you know to what to watch a favorite character fictional or non let's be honest this is like a travesty and mm-hmm. you never want that to happen it like really hurts your heart and breaks you down so i i was very sorry that i had to read this story um yeah there are some positive moments i think the art was great i think we'll talk about that later because actually a listener writes in about it but overall you know i i didn't really like it and i i could have done without it so Okay. There you go. So if we can start off this actual story, um, I'd like to talk about this introductory introduction scene. Um, I guess introductory would have been better. Just Batman visiting Joker and the words that he says, and they, of course, pop up again. But what are your thoughts on this? I mean, him visiting, I think, Joker and Arkham is not something that's new. But I was I was pretty... I don't know, the words coming out of his mouth, and this is a problem for me throughout the story, is just I, I didn't really think the characterization of Batman was there. The words coming out of his mouth seemed like trying too hard almost. I don't know if that's the best way. It, certainly words I could see him saying to Two-Face that, you know, we should work together. But him saying, you know, either I'm going to kill you or you're going to kill me seemed a bit like Dirty Harry or, or something from the Old West. And, and I don't think Batman uh, would ever go that far. He always fights against wanting to kill the joker and and joker i mean oftentimes joker's purpose is to get batman across the line and kill him and so to have batman even admit that that is a possibility seemed like a a very poor narrative decision so so i mean what do you think about that whole i mean it was interesting certainly at the end that it it turned out to not be joker i thought something was up anyways when he didn't even announce himself you know didn't say anything but uh just him visiting and, and that conversation which again appears at the end at least in in word bubble Okay, <laughs> right off the bat. Um, well, I was trying to go no, in like no, 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 sequential no, no. order. No, 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 it's it's fine. It's fine. Okay. I, I want you. I, I would. You have to be as uncompromising and aggressive <laughs> as you feel this story. That's a cheetah. Because that's that's the best way uh, we we can go about it. Oh, yeah. I remember you saying that you did not like Batman at all in this story. Honestly, this is one of my favorite characterizations of Batman in any mm-hmm. story. It really is. Mm-hmm. This is, and one thing you have to take in mind is that like. A lot of times, in terms of Batman and Joker's relationship, a lot of it's informed by the last 20 years because that's when when the last uh, really crazy stuff with the Joker happened. Um, you have to take in mind that, like up to this point, we've had Neil Adams, and that's pretty much it. In terms of like a, like a, a scary, evil, murderous Joker, he's by and large up to this point in this comic in this comic series been. Joker's arch, or Batman's arch enemy in that, like, he first appeared in Batman number one, and he's one of his more famous villains, and he's on the 60s show, but he's not been prone to be this dangerous, and 
there's Dark Knight Returns came before this, so that kind of like set up him as like a real bad guy. But this is before the animated series. This is before Death in the Family. This is before he kills Sarah Essen. This is before Death of the Family. This is before Heath Ledger. This is before Jack Nicholson. You kind of have to look at this in the context that it was written. So, in my opinion, for Batman and the Joker at this point in their relationship to have their, you know, rivalry that they have, and for Batman to kind of see ahead of the, you know, down the line, if we don't stop, if we don't get off this train, one of us is going to kill the other. And I want to know to myself, I made a genuine attempt to talk things over. I truly love that. Because it's not, you know, this is not like, you know, uh, like, like, where's the Joker? Even though he says the next page. <laughs> like, this is not like the Christian Bale yelling, beat the, the crap out of Joker Batman. This is the more contemplative, humanistic Batman that later events kind of changed him to be a lot more reactive, violent Batman that you see in Hush. But at this point in Batman's life, he, it, I think it makes perfect sense for him to be a lot more optimistic, or at least not optimistic, but like a, a lot more wanting to be understanding of the Joker. We can talk about how that affects him at the end of the story, but at least in terms of like the outset and telling Alfred how can two men hate each other without knowing each other. Uh, this this is Batman to me. This is Batman to me. And one thing that I think uh, I take away from it is that Alan Moore was quoted by saying that there are a lot of these uh, vigilante characters out there, like the Punisher and Rorschach and uh, <laughs> Vigilante, where you have like these guys who don't have any powers who just fight crime using violence. The difference between Batman and them is Batman has compassion. I think it's evidenced by a lot of the actions he does in his life. I think this is right in the wheelhouse of how he kind of comes to the Joker in, ter- in, in relegation towards the opening scene. So I, I understand why, why it's foreign and, and you may not like it because it doesn't ring true to what you're familiar with, but personally th- this is one of my favorite uh, bits of the story. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I don't see Batman as having much compassion. I think about that, that one graphic novel we did, Noel. I think you were still on the TV. You didn't betray us yet. Yeah. And, um, and I remember, like, some, <laughs> like, him use, he uses people, though, like, very much, I mean, almost, you know, like, policemen will, will have rats and things like that, but he uses, I don't think that's a, a, something that has come later, but he will use people um, in order to get to bigger, to bigger fish. So, I mean, I think there may be a certain level of compassion, but I think you're, like, giving him a little too much credit, because I think deep down, <laughs> like, he's, he may have a, a bit of a heart, but... I, I, I don't know. And, and I actually – I like the scene where they're walking through um, the people to actually – through the asylum to actually get to Joker. And Harvey Dent looks out and, and Jim looks back. And I think that's very symbolic and almost foreshadowing what sort of conversation – because, again, I feel like this is a conversation that is better used – in a conversation between him and Harvey. Like, if that were to happen, I'd be like, yes, that is exactly what it is. But Joker, like, even Batman says when he's in the cave, like, he doesn't know what he's going to do next. There's no rhyme or reason to what happens. So why would he even try? Like, he's not a guy that that has all of his crayons. And even Two-Face doesn't have all the crayons in the crayon box. But he has a reason to his madness. There is no reason to Joker. So why would you even attempt to, to reason with him? This just seems like faulty, faulty characterization. I'm just not with you on that. I, I think it's also, there's also a bit of commentary in this comic with, mm-hmm. um, like, it's a bit, of, and Alan Moore is all about this. It's a bit on the idea of, like, you know, you have two characters larger than life who always battle each other, and somehow they, they both escape alive. It's kind of like, you know, if you're really to have an arch nemesis, 
that that you hate, but you continually battle against, would you honestly want to keep on having that battle? Like, like, would you honestly enjoy that, especially when you're innocence on the line? So it's kind of like taking the whole comic book conceit and having the characters try to be intelligent enough to address it, as opposed to just kind of like go along the lines. Because you know, it's a comic book. We can't we can't have Batman kill the Joker or Joker kill Batman. But I think to have the characters kind of point out, you know, this is this is a bit ridiculous, and kind of try to try to uh, advert whatever horrible possibilities is going to happen later on down the line. I think it's really brave. I, I just I just can't I I don't agree with you with that. I I, I mean the, the ending it is what it is when you talk about the ending, but like in terms of the general characterization, you and I could be as are about as far away from as possible. I'm I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, that's okay. And I think maybe you'll be more accepting of Batman, but I have problems with this character throughout. To be honest, so uh, it, it just sort of starts there. I mean, when I started reading, I was like, what is going on? This does not seem like it. And maybe if I had read it in a bubble, and I think you're right that our culture, our current culture surrounding Batman, certainly is coloring uh, where I'm at. Uh, but now it's it's very hard to and I think this is what I said with New 52 you know you have to like throw out everything but I think it's hard for me to do that here so that's why I'm just yeah just I have a trouble with Batman's character throughout so that's I'm gonna have a rant later on you'll see Um, let's talk about the the scene leading up to the home invasion again I'm kind of gonna go in order of things that happen Gordon keeping a scrapbook on all the villains I thought it a little strange, to be honest, because I, I could see him keeping a scrapbook on Batman, you know, either keeping tabs on him and then after their friendship and everything. But just like, I mean, he's almost nostalgic of like, I remember when this happened. And I could certainly see, I don't know, it just seems like little, what, what did you think? This is a detail, but I just thought it was super bizarre, like a girl taking out her wedding album. This is what my wedding's going to be like. I mean, what did you, you think about that? You know, I, I don't really think too much about him taking a scrapbook besides uh, Barbara fussing at him, like, oh, you're getting it all over your pants. But um, <laughs> I, I think uh, there's there's a bit of, like, you know, kind of like a look into, like, the whole range of Batman's history in this comic book. And it's, and it's very slight, but, like, previously before this, you had the detail, the really random detail of uh, the, <laughs> quote, Bob Kane, unquote, image in the Batcave, mm-hmm. where you have, like, the Silver Age Bat characters. And then later on, you have like the uh, the cover to Det- Detective Comics twenty seven, and then, and like you have a Bob Kane Jerry Opperson image of the Joker, and there's all these like kind of looks as oh remember when he first appeared this this this, so I I think Moore was just trying to kind of say this is where they came from, and this story is talking about where they might end up more so than anything else. I'm not sure. Are you if you're asking like you know is it in, in character for Gordon to keep a scrapbook? I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe not. That didn't really ring out to me. But that, I think in terms of a purpose towards the writing. I think that's what that might serve, but I'm not, I'm not. But that's kind of like where the that's 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 as much as of an impression as it left on me. Mm-hmm. What what about the relationship between Babs and and Jim, just as shown in these these few pages here? What do you think about that? Just their interactions before uh, the event in question. It felt um, completely natural. I hope you don't have a problem with it. Cause oh I no think... no! I I just wanted to ask. <laughs> no yeah, it, it, this is like you know I'm not see I'm not read a lot a lot of issues where they're like hanging out together all the time mm-hmm. i know that i know a lot of that occurs pre-crisis but um this felt natural to me and one detail that i was remember talking to josh about was that uh she's been living with him for a while in her own history hasn't she like hasn't she moved back in with him uh yeah and especially since he lost he had lost his job as uh commissioner and remember that bike right you were on that podcast mm-hmm. weren't you when her apartment was destroyed by the biker gang from akira yeah yeah 
<laughs> so she was living with him as that was being settled up, and I, I think she kind of never went back, partially because of him just being like just in a really depressed state after losing that job. How many times did she wear glasses? How many times did she wear? She hadn't worn. She not a lot. Uh, we're getting back to that. Um, that glass wearing era because she was not really wearing them after I guess in the bronze age she kind of left them behind but she wore them a lot during uh like her stint as a librarian in the silver age okay because like I mean I typically see Barbara Gordon with glasses when she's oracle mm-hmm. so it always kind of struck me as interesting that like um, yeah I think this is a transition to that certainly yeah well it was not intentional but like soon after she retires like like she starts wearing glasses and it feels like I don't know. It feels more of like to me, and I, this this is based off no knowledge, but like if you're going to design Barbara Gordon, she's a, she's a character who wears glasses, even though she's a bear girl and doesn't need them. But it's it's a it's a minor curiosity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. That it seemed uh, extremely natural. Just them getting along, you know. And I couldn't help but smiling just with her kind of mothering him, and <laughs> you know, you're getting that glue everywhere, uh, and and just him saying. I can't remember what he said. He's, Fussier than your mother? Yeah, exactly. And and it was just great. You know, it wasn't forced or anything. And it was just like, yeah, that would be the day in the life of Babs and her father. And it's one of my favorite comic familial relationships. Uh, so it was, it was great to see that. What do you think? Two questions for you. Why doesn't Gordon have a gun? Um, no, I mean, no, but seriously, yeah, okay. because okay. I feel like, well, I mean, we're talking fiction here, but I feel like on any, you know, show that I may watch, these people have like, you know, they come home, they unholster and hopefully, you know, if they don't have hope, you know, a kid, uh, they would put it in a safe, but, and, and they have it kind of somewhere that they may need it. So that's what my one question. And the second question is, and this may, maybe it's a dumb question. How did Joker get the actual address? I just want to have like a lead up to this. I don't think, I don't think it takes any imagination to find Gordon's address, but I think in terms of like, uh, why doesn't he have a gun around there? Especially when he knows that the Joker's on the loose. That is a bit convenient for the plot. I mean, the plot needs to, for this to happen. Yeah. Maybe. But like, I, it's, 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 I don't think there's much thought into like the details of like you know, well the Joker's gonna put on these clothes and like you know knock on the door see and like I, I don't think there's much details in like you know, the overall story has to happen that way so it, it happens that way. But I, I, I think the dumbest part about it is that you see uh, an eye hole in the door mm-hmm. and Babs looks away and doesn't even look through it mm-hmm. when she knows the Joker's there. So that's kind that kind of sucks. But um, when she knows the Joker's there, what do you mean? Well, when she knows the Joker's on the loose. I mean. Oh well, but. And I would certainly agree. However, she says that she believes it's Colleen from across the street because it's a yoga class. So that's a coincidence that, like, Joker's coming the exact same night and around the same time that her friend is coming to pick her up. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. But, I mean, this is a, a complete issue that Babs has had for a long time. I remember yelling on one of my podcasts, like, maybe year one. That some creeper was at the door and she opened without looking and then something happened. I don't remember. I think it was that weird date story. And then if you recall in the Batgirl special when Marcy comes, complete foreshadowing panel where there's a white glove with like a purple shirt. And that's all you see. And then pushing the doorbell and then Babs opens it and it's Marcy. And I mean that's the story. And and knowing I think that Kiesel perhaps knew that Killing Joke was on the – was coming – May I don't know if she knew about that specific scene, but I think that's that's pretty frighteningly uh, foreshadowing. So I do have a problem that she didn't look through the keyhole, nevertheless, and she's all in high spirits. But uh, I guess it is explained with that little thing. 
I don't know. I kind of wish Gordon had a gun by his side. I'm also wondering, well, we're not there yet, but Joker getting the address, I guess I can see. I don't know. It seems to... Is it really uh, that impossible to think? <laughs> that he would... Yeah, it's weird for me to think that he would find a phone book and look for Gordon. I could see him, I guess, kidnapping somebody and like, hey, we need to work. I don't know. I'm just trying to find holes in the plot. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're just patting before we get to the meat of it. Yeah, so here, the acting question. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. And this is going to be twofold because I want to talk about what happens to Babs. And I also want to talk about what happens to Gordon. Specifically him being stripped down because I have a huge problem with it. Um, now, at the beginning of this, uh, I've got a question. And we're gonna we're not really gonna talk about it, I think, until the end that we're done with this little section here. But my question is, was the nudity slash I, I kind of almost think exploitation necessary for the story? And what does it do to alter our perceptions of the characters involved? Okay, so that's my like summary thing. So to kind of keep in the back of your mind as we're talking about this. Do you want me to address that now or later? Later. Let's, let's kind of get through like the discussion okay. of the pieces and then let's come back together and talk about it. I think that would be good. So I guess I first want to talk about Joker. And I wondered, like, we talked about this a little bit with Mad Wolf. Mm-hmm. Remember, I asked, <laughs> I, I said in a non-joking way, do you think Joker has sex with Harley? And I'm doing this, okay. Do you remember this? Yeah. Um, and, and I just wonder, like, how, how sexual, sexual of a being is Joker? Do you think there's, like, is, is there a history of, like, sexual deviance uh, that, that would lead to this? I don't... So, my, my thinking is, why would he go to this? And I, and I understand in schemes of the thought, like, he was trying to break Gordon no matter how he could. But I just wonder, you know, why undress Babs? Why take photos of her? Oh, I... You, I, I Oh, I don't why he did it. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's any, like, you know, question as to... Well, it's to make Jim Gordon go insane. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, what, wouldn't there be a better way? Like, shooting her, bringing her with him, oh, watching... Uh, well, I mean, think of... That's more along the violent lines of it. Um, and, and I think violence is more in his character than, like, sexual deviance. So, I think a better I mean, question would be, like, why did Alan Moore put that in there? Well, like, he's not here. He's not here to. So I just want to know about like. What's going up, Alan Moore? What do you think about this? I don't know, but I mean, bringing her along with Gordon, I think, would almost be enough. Like watching her, like. But so I mean, you know, what, what are your thoughts on? Let's just focus on Babs right now. Don't think about that question I gave you, but like Babs, I mean. What about Babs? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, like you know, like. Is like, there any other way? Was there any other way to get this done? Um. Okay. Uh, I was talking about this with Josh uh, like about an hour yesterday because we actually really had a mental workout about how necessary was the, this specific action for the story. Since the story is about Batman and the Joker and driving somebody insane, this explicit, specific action, did this need to happen? Because a lot of this, this, this comic book, as, vaunted, uh, as um, lauded as it is, and as much you know, acclaim as it's garnered, there is a vocal, there is a vocal majority that say that like this is this is like uh, just textbook misogyny in comic books, and I I don't think there's really getting any way ar- around that. You know, you can say like, well, I'm gonna be saying a lot of what Josh told to me because he kind of disagrees with me with this, and I'm not taking Josh. I don't want to take uh, Josh's uh, words out of context or try to disrespect him because he's not here because he'll call in later, but and he'll probably listen back to this. But 
the, the, an, argument, an argument can be made that, you know, to break Gordon, Joker has to attack via Barbara. And that makes perfect sense. One, the one thing people always get, to, I, in my opinion, in terms of my reading, the one thing people always go back to with this story is that the Joker shot and paralyzed Barbara Gordon. A lot of times they really do confuse, like, you know, she can never be back girl again, even though she quits. That sucks. But people are like, you know, he robbed her of her legs. He did this and that. I think that, like, that's that's one thing. I think the further action, which I can't imagine how you must have felt when you first saw this, because you somehow didn't know that he legitimately sexually assaults her. I mean, there's those questions like, you know, did he rape her or not? It's not in the book. I don't think he did because it's yeah. not made explicit. I think it goes into question of like what sexual assault is. And that's just any wanted like sexual advance, I think. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean if I'm to be like really raw here. It's not like not necessarily penetration, but I think like any want, like she is being undressed. I think that is technically a sexual assault. She's being undressed in a state of extreme distress. Yeah. I mean, and being shot with a camera. Yeah. I, I think there's no question that that I don't think he raped her. I don't think he would do that, again, going along the lines with just him being a non-sexual being. But I, I think that this is a sexual assault. I think more along the lines, if he, if he did or wanted to, we would know in the book. Because like, like, like we, 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 we are told the medical report. We're told the, the details. This is a lurid, horrifying thing. If that was, if that was going to be in the, First of all, I, don't, I honestly don't think DC would allow that, although they allowed this. So I don't know. But like, um, further to the point... She is sexually assaulted. I have I have no problem saying that. Mm-hmm. She is. And I'm not, I'm not saying that just for the sake of saying something extreme in a Batman story. I don't think you can legitimately argue that, like, Barbara being shot in the stomach and then undressed is anything but a sexual assault by nature of what undressing a, a woman without their consent is. Exactly. So I guess I, mean, I don't want to get away from your question here. What do, I, what do I think about that? I really – here's and this is what I was saying earlier – when people think back to this story, it's like, oh, it's an extreme Joker story. That I think people really tend to put blinders on and kind of not think about the implications of what happened here. Because whether Barbara's Batgirl or not, and she isn't in this story, she isn't in this continuity because she just recently retired. But Barbara Gordon, by and large, is more than the commissioner's daughter. She is Batgirl. She is a character that, ha- that has her own fan base and her has her own legacy and, and iconism. So she carries a certain weight to her. She's not just the damsel in distress that she is in this comic book. So I think that, like, if you take that character, paralyze them, and, and then sexually assault them, I don't know if that has that sort of raw adult material has a place in Batman comics. When I now that I think about it, because you got to kind of because, and, and we'll, we'll bleed into this later on, but. It's like, you know, the repercussions behind that and Batman's reaction to that. But you have to kind of like put it in a certain context. This isn't just a random woman. This isn't just the Joker, the, the commissioner's daughter. This is virtually, this is, by all intents and purposes, this is Batgirl, which people like to argue. And the fact that you're doing that to this kind of iconic character, you know, like, like just, you know, forget Yvonne Craig, forget the, the 60s cartoon. Batgirl as a character, I don't think that that's appropriate for. Uh, a comic book to do in that I don't think that the appropriate consequences mentally in terms and I'm talking about more like you know this the stripping are addressed ma- by, by the majority of the comic books after it and certainly not in the comic book here I think the only way to justify that is if they were really going to tackle that mental distress in the comic book and they honestly don't so ultimately that aspect I wish were different and I don't think that 
aspect in terms of Barbara and taking the photos and stuff needs to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think as reprehensible as as her being shot and and left there is, I think that's more of a potential storyline and something that readers could survive than what goes on after. And uh, it's it's just super hard. And it's interesting. I was looking at the next page when when Gordon and I wonder, like, Gordon, my gosh, like, I guess he's in shock, which, you know, we well, he has scissors in his hands. He's, he's going to rip him up. Yeah. But yeah. Scissors, Donovan. Again, my question is, where was your handgun? Yeah, I know. But like, you know, but, it's, it's, it's yeah. not like he's like reaching for uh, a mallet or anything. I just couldn't believe like he went to Babs first and, and, and then he finally like gets it together and turns around. I guess he's just so in shock, but I wish like he could have gone into action quicker. But it's interesting. Uh, the fourth panel down on that particular page, Joker, Joker's face is, is covered, but also he's covering the main like violence right there. Like you see in the left, you see Jim he gets punched once he drops the scissors and then like there's a big punch and you see kind of blood splatter or whatever that is and that was very interesting that similar to death in the family where you only see the crowbar and this is something I discussed with my my H period class like what what does that do for you um just the intensity of it involved as a reader is that worse or is it better but just the fact that you don't see this particular violence hitting Gordon, but yet it's like, it's all out there uncensored. Well, you know, of everything else that goes on, which is, which is an interesting art choice. I think you're trying to compare, like, like we see Barbara being shot graphically, but Mm -hmm. we don't see Gordon getting shot to the face. Yeah. That is not a gunshot, but like a punch. And I mean, you see kind of there's splatter and yeah. So it's just interesting. Oh man. I just noticed that Babs is right there down there next to him um i didn't notice that detail before okay so i guess we've kind of said that the the exploitation isn't really necessary there um another person that i really feel like this bothered me in extreme amount is is gordon and my thinking as as you know i was reading this my thinking was the nudity uh, there, <laughs> you know how I'm bothered by. Nudity. Oh, later on. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm sort of connecting these two things here. Um, just the 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 sexual nature of them. The nudity there, I think, was to humiliate him. Obviously, he's in chains and everything like that. Th- that was that was super hard for me to read through. Just like him being treated as some like beast, and, and I wondered if this nudity in itself was was that necessary, like. Could you have, I mean, was it necessary to strip him at all? I mean, could you have put some sort of clothing on him? But to be led around in chains, I think, was humiliation enough to go through this this ride and see what's going on. I don't know. What I, Do you think that that was, this particular nudity was necessary? It is so funny because I don't remember ever really... When I say not have a problem, I don't mean like, you know, like, oh, that's funny. But, like, I don't really ever really registering to me as much as, as, a, as a bother. And it's, always, it's, clear, it's disturbing, but it's, it's a level of, of uh, disturbance that I can kind of, like, stomach. And, I'm, and, again, I'm wondering if that's, like, my inherent chauvinism saying, like, you know, well, you can't do that to a female, but to a male is fine. But I, I, and I'm trying to figure that out because there's a lot of, like, you know, there's, a lot of, there's also questions which I don't really think I knew about until I did research for this. Whether jo- uh, Gordon was sexually assaulted during the story, and um, I think he was. I, I, it's, it's clearly for humiliation rather than like you know let's let's have fun with with Gordon's bits or whatever. Right. It's not it's not it's not made for any sort of like sexual. I know, but violence. do you think that was over the top? Do I think it was over the top? 
I mean, I guess this is the first time you're thinking about it, whereas it really, really bothered me. I mean, the chains is, I think, had, like, he, he, had he been clothed and chained, I think that would have served, like, the purpose we're going for with this humiliation. You know what? Joker's in control. But, like, him naked being carted around, I thought that was awful. Well, he is absolutely being treated like an animal, uh, unduly, as well as Barbara. I think, here's, what, here's, what, here's what's going on. I think it might be over the top. I think it might be unfit for the for a Batman story. I know that like it's, but it's a point. All, all of this is for a point. This is not just like you know blithely written in there just to shock and awe. This is written for a point, but that doesn't that doesn't go beyond the that doesn't go beyond the uh, the, the effect it has in the story. Whether it is or not, I will say that like for my, myself personally, it just doesn't end up bother me as much. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's, it deserves to be in there necessarily. Mm-hmm. Okay, I wanted to talk about Joker's like this this plot that he has, but I, I think maybe let's go back to this question I had. So I said, was the nudity exploitation necessary for the story? And what does it do to alter our perceptions of the characters involved? Our perception, so like how we view these, especially you know Joker, Babs, and and Gordon, does it change anything for you? I think everyone sort of stayed the same for me, except for Joker, uh, which took on a completely different level. I I see him, I think very much as like this asexual creature, who I, I think you even said like Harley's probably around. I mean, if he needs her, she's there, but it's not like he would willingly go to her or, you know, call for her, things like that. And and I see him as, like, this violent character. So to see him, like, break, have these these moments here. And no, I, I don't think, you know, Gordon's was a sexual nature or anything. But just everything involving Babs and then even putting those photos up as as Gordon goes through the tunnel of love or whatever, right? I mean, that was... seen in the entire comic book. That's what? I'm sorry? That is the, the, that page is the roughest in the entire book. Oh, you bet it is. And 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 again, I wondered looking at the end because you see each stage and you hear the bump, which I assume is like him going through the pat the the doorway. And I wondered. I looked at each of the doors. The doors are differently illustrated, so I guess it's just one ride. But I thought to myself, my goodness, if these were each illustrated, and he was forced to go through that ride any number of times, how like how how awful. But yeah, I mean the the new. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think? Do you just stay? Does does this like? Yeah, that's something the Joker would do. Did that change anything? Do you look at Gordon or or Babs any differently than you did when uh, before? I guess we can't say really Oracle. Let's just pretend that we don't know anything about her. But before, do it change anything before? Well, it certainly makes them well victims. your perception, your perception of how they are as a character. I guess it's kind of hard because she doesn't play as big of a role, really. She's just a device. She absolutely is a device. You know, it's really hard. It's hard more so than the fact that like this has been in my 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 worldview of the Batman universe for years. Mm-hmm. I have read this story. I have known about this story, so I can't really say that that it changes anything. Um, but at the same time, like, like, I mean, obviously there was a time where I didn't know what happened in the story, but I don't know, I don't remember it ever saying like, you know, oh, well, Barbara Gordon's a character who's had this happen to her and that like me, co- that colors my perception of who she or Commissioner Gordon are. I can see how that might though, which is, which is why the, it, it, it gets to a level of, of uncomfort, which 
again, and uh, I mean, I, I mean, people. Moore's talked about this story in retrospect a couple of times with with uh, with uh, a, a, a lot lesser and charitable of a view that's, than he did before when he wrote it. I mean, he legitimately has uh, expressed regret at even thinking to do that to Barbara Gordon. He even said he he asked he at I don't know. Do you know about this? What, uh, what no. he's only what you have told me. Okay. Um, As a bad podcast host, I didn't do any research. You might, might, might have to bleep this out. I don't know. But, like, he legitimately asked the editor at the time, Lynn Wein, if this is okay to do the Barbara Gordon. And reportedly, what Lynn Wein, and this, this, is, this is like 99% true from all, from all reported accounts, Lynn Wein actually responded and said, yeah, cripple the bitch. That was apparently his response. That's how, and that's, it kind of gets to the point of, like, how little they considered Barbara Gordon as a character at DC at that time. I know that like that that set up a firestorm of of, of rage between like you know characters like or writers like John Ostrander and Camille later on. It it gets to the point of I was gonna kind of bring it up to more more things that like this story is taking to the taking the characters to a place where that they're not meant to go. This is the writer himself saying that years later, and ultimately he also really doesn't like the story because like he thinks that like a story between Batman and the Joker isn't resonant towards real people that that being the readers. But he thinks that like it went to a, a bit too far, and if the writer thinks that at the time, does that make the story automatically going too far? Well, in some ways it might do, in some ways it doesn't. If it depends on the reader, the nudity in itself and the change in perceptions of the characters, I think it. For me personally, I don't think it does. But that's because I've had this in my mind forever. But uh, I can't say that like, it it won't for other people. It it probably will for for most people. Yeah, and I do. I I do have some sections coming up just talking about these characters. So I think we'll go more in depth on Gordon. But um, it just seemed like a completely different Joker for me, and uh, it kind of cemented the fact that I get. I don't think Joker is like a a favorite of mine at all. And and I don't. Anymore. It's, it's hard. Well, no, I don't think he ever was really because I think that's the everyone goes to that. You know, you ask who's your favorite Batman villain and everyone says Joker. And I don't think I've ever said that. I don't think I've had a good idea of who it would be. Kill um, Yeah. And, and, but that's because of my love for him in, in terms of how he related uh, with Batgirl and everything. But, you know, I just think to myself, I think you have to have a well-rounded character. And, 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 and my, my love for characters are someone that can kind of dance across both lines. And I think Perhaps I'd be closer with you in saying that, you know, Two-Face is certainly up there. But it's just hard to imagine, like, you know, liking liking this character after that. Um, so he certainly, he wasn't before my favorite, and, and he certainly isn't now. I want to talk a little bit about his plot. I mean, his overall thought is, and it's actually interesting, I don't really think that this is a Joker and Batman story. In my opinion, it's a Joker story, but it's heavy Gordon, and which is interesting because, of course, Batman Year One was very—it's very much like a Gordon Year One. But his plot overall is to attempt to make Gordon go insane. But he, his thought is, I think that Gordon is the most sane person there is. So if he can make him insane, then it's like it's possible for everyone, and then you know everyone will understand somehow. And I think that uh, the overall like idea potentially is plausible. Like I'm going to make him insane. Like I could see him doing that. But honestly, I feel like is this almost is like a super convoluted way to do it? Um, <laughs> is there like a more direct way to do that? I mean. Focus. I don't know. Like you'd think you would try to 
just focus on Gordon and everything, but let's do this. I mean, that's not make him insane. That's like break him down and like make him super angry watching this. So, I mean, what do you think about this plot? And do you think like seeing photos, I mean, seeing someone get shot and wondering were they even helped after that, I think is one thing. But to see like were those nude, I guess we can say in parentheses. I, I don't think, hopefully she saw a bra and panties on. But do you think um, no, those... Are you serious? No, she did not. Oh, that's great. Do you think that was necessary to his insanity? Do you think that's something that would make him go insane? I mean, do you think this is yes. a... Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, like... I guess uh, I just see a different emotion coming from this. Well, I think in terms of... And I, again, like, I kind of rethought how this plays the Joker. As much as I love the characterization of Batman, as much as, like, I have a lot of things I like about the story, which I hope to have a chance to talk about later i think this joke sorry that i've <laughs> taking control no no that's it's your show i think this well first of all this story is 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 memorable for taking the joker to a, a higher a higher echelon of irredeemable and uh unsavory and i think that like that you can take or leave i think the, 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 i think people have really like you know kind of like married the story to where like you know the joker must be like this all the time which i don't think so well he's a changing I, character because he is insane there is no yeah I well, I mean, I think that, like, in terms of, like, his plot, I think this is coming from a very emotional, emotionally damaged core, which I don't think is personally, that's not really how I, I think just in terms of, in general, I think it's kind of coming from a very emotionally charged area that I don't know really, I, I don't, I don't really, I'm not sure if I really care for it. Now, you can't say the same, that that's, that's not the same is true for Batman, but, like, this, he's, if you read the dialogue, the Joker sounds very, very, like, he, he's trying. He's aggressively trying to tell people that he, or that you know, life sucks. You know, your only reason is going insane. And for lack of a better phrase, it comes off as very like emo and um, just emotionally charged, as opposed to like, you know, insanity is, the, insanity is the best way of life, and just kind of going for that. He kind of comes goes at it at an emotional core because life sucks because it's random. And the Batman, Batman calls him on it at the end, but like I don't know if I really care for that much emotion and upset at the Joker on the outset. I mean, I, it's it's earned by his flashback, or it, was it a flashback? Ooh. In terms of like you know, do I prefer seeing the Joker coming from this angle? I don't know if I do. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm there with you. I don't know. I guess I just him trying to make Gordon insane can definitely see it i think he, you know he's done it before we've seen it before we've seen it you know with batman and other people um but just this way seems like so i feel like i could have come up with some better ways but yeah just super hard okay let's talk about the joker <laughs> the joker yeah so his origin story and the character that he he becomes so what are your what are your thoughts on his origin story? Do you think that his origin aligns with his character? Do you think that this is his origin story? Here's my thing. It, you're leading me. See, I was giving... I was giving <laughs> 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 awesome. I, was, I was being super nice and letting you talk first, and now you've given me... I, I want to hear what you think about this. He, I have... Here's my issue with it. First of all, I was like, what... What is going on? And I was trying to figure out: is this the is this the guy that's the Joker, or is it the guy like the guy across from him the entire time during the the table? Actually, looks more like the Joker with his pointed nose and everything. Okay. So a lot of bizarre things happen, you know. With you got the wife situation, and and 
you kind of feel bad for this guy and then all of a sudden she dies. I'm like, well, of course she does. So, <laughs> uh-huh. is this my issue with the, the, an origin story of the Joker? Um, I think is great. Fleshing it out is is also great, but I think that they use this sort of characterization to cast as much sympathy on the Joker as possible to outweigh all the crazy messed up stuff that goes on in the rest. So it's like, you know, Moore may have said like, well, we've got all this bad stuff happening. We're going to shoot Babs. We're going to strip her down. We're going to take photos. We're going to strip Gordon down. But... Yeah, the, the 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 bad accident. We we're going, we're but, going to strip vibes. We're going to you know, shoot, yeah. down, shoot a shoot a yeah. father. Is that what he's, <laughs> but then talks. but then we're gonna have this character Joker. And we're gonna show that he's like kind of a you know he's down as luck Harry, and he tries really hard. He's got a loving wife. His wife dies, and what could he do? It was all an accident. And my thinking was like, this doesn't. I mean, you know, if you why not have it? It just didn't make sense to me. I I can see trying to to wash away all the bad stuff that's going on, but I think there should have been more of a correlation between the character or that story that he's telling, the character that he was with what he was doing. And just to think, and even if that's a false story, which we know that the Joker lies, the story doesn't even make sense as a whole because, well, no, but listen, I mean, he falls into a vat of acid. He comes and, and you know, he's, he's sad and, and he's scared he's running away from the bat. He comes out and he's insane. Is that like that doesn't make sense? Like, a does not necessarily. Really? Are you you fall into a vat of acid? No, you're gonna be coming out and you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I just fell into a vat of acid. Not like, I'm insane. No, no, this, this, that's, that's not. Well, that's not. This is this is coming after like the crazy experience he had in the AIDS chemical plant. This is coming after the horrible uh, incident of his wife dying earlier in the day. This is coming after him losing his 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 sucking at his comedian career. Like this is this is all the whole point of this. And I don't want to do this because this is like you know kind of milked now. But like the whole point of the one bad day thing. This is it. This is his origin story. This is where that's This is the story that brought that forth. And this is supposed to illustrate why he does become the Joker. It's not just. I'm an acid. It's because all this crap happened in one day, and all of it, all, all of it just kind of crumbles on his mind, and just kind of, in terms of the story, drives the character to become what he becomes on that last panel. It's not. It's not just the uh, the inciting incident of the it's chemical uh, acid bath. But yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. But you know, one panel he's saying like it's it's like burning. He takes it off. And then I, 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 I just don't see, you know, yeah. And, and I guess we can assume that he looks in the puddle and, and he sees himself and it just something cracks. But I, I don't know if I – I feel like there had to have been something before. And again, like I just think like it's oh. a weird thing. <laughs> I, I, I honestly do. I think that, you know, there should have been some history. If, if we're to believe that the Joker we're, we're learning about as Joe whoever is the same Joker that's doing all this bad stuff to all these characters we love i think there's got to be a history back then it's not like it's like three different people you've got this guy that we kind of have sympathy for we've got the guy that turns into the joker and then we have like the end result of the joker um and i just feel like there should have been some sort of insanity or something going on so i just have a problem with that i i think that we're being coerced as readers to feel sorry for this guy and then that lessens the weight of what he's doing but then i think we're also like 
being wed down this rabbit hole that doesn't necessarily come together. That is my opinion on the, the Joker origin story. Please talk now that you've given. That's my rant one, which I'm not as heated as I will be. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. There you Put go. down your heater. Yeah. Um, I think that it sounds like, and this is all coming from nothing but respect, of course, but I think it sounds like you're coming from a generally less willing to take in because you say like you use, you use the term coerced i think that's a that's that's a harsher term than it than it warrants but at the same time you're a barbara gordon fan so you i'm not gonna think say, that i'm not gonna say why are you upset uh, well, yeah, yeah, of course i'm upset but don't you think as a reader like oh man i wish no, you watched game of thrones or read it so i could like but for example there's like this one character that is a total and i never use this word but total douchebag and jamie lannister and you're like oh my gosh i hate him i hate him i hate him all of a sudden you bring in this other character and it starts to turn his life around and then you're like starting to respect jamie lannister and he's starting to make better decisions and against all odds you start to like him this is almost like what I feel because I felt coerced into there. I'm like, oh, I like Jamie Lannister. So here I'm just like, Joker, I hate him. Look what he's doing. I hate him. Oh, I, I kind of feel bad for him. Oh, no, look what happened. Like, I feel coerced. I feel like it was per- it was purposely put there. Well, it was purposely put there. <laughs> it wasn't an accident. Look what happened here. Well, I think that, like, that's the point. The point is not Joker's not Joker 100% throughout his lifetime. There was somebody beforehand, and I don't think that like I think that like the fact that he could be seen as sympathetic, I don't think I don't find that manipulative because the story they're telling is that like this this can happen to anybody, and yeah, this is coming after like at this point nearly fifty years of the Joker being a, a one dimensional bad guy, but the story that is being told is that like this you think that the Joker is so inhuman, so far outside the realm of understanding, this could happen to anybody. And whether it was successful or not in trying to, to convince you that it could happen to anybody and he could be this insane, I mean, if it, if it wasn't, it wasn't. But I think that, like, what the, the writing in terms of what it's trying to do is perfectly sound. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's the bestest thing ever, but I, th- I think it's perfectly fine that, like, uh, this had happened to his wife who's pregnant, his career sucks, he's being forced into this crime, and, it's, and it's, he's completely mutilated by this acid bath. So I, I understand how they got to that point. It sounds like, to me, it just sounds like you're just completely unwilling to have any sort of <laughs> understanding. Which I'm, I'm not saying that disparagingly, but it sounds like you just don't have any. You're not. You're just not of of that life to like you know try to understand where the Joker came from mentally, which is fine. That's just uh, how the cards fall. Having a, a bad day and falling into an acid bath. It's more than a bad day. insane person. I don't. I don't think it's. I, I think it would be disingenuous to try to couch it as. Well, he had a bad day. His wife died, who was pregnant, and he was in this crime, and his skin's ruined. It's not like it's like the worst day of, of anybody's life. Well, like, of course, yeah. So I, I, don't, I, I hope I hope you don't want to just couch it as, oh yeah, yeah, bad day was. Well, he became the Joker. That's, that's, no, no, that, that's, no, 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 no. That was his words, not mine. Okay. Right. He said it was a bad, and then he talks to Batman about the bad day. He talks to Gordon about the bad day. Is there oh, anything else you want to talk about the Joker? Because I want to move on. About the Joker specifically. Yeah, do you have anything? This is your time to say some likes if you so desire. No, not not about the Joker specifically. About the character, no. Okay, I'll give you some time. I'll give you a couple minutes at the end for talking about the light, unless we run out of time. 
uh, Gordon's character, uh, and I only have, you know, just a little because I think we've been talking about it, but specifically the moment where Batman comes in, he's in the cage, which is still like Batman doesn't even help him out there. But Gordon, <laughs> <He does. laughs> oh, whatever. Gordon tells Batman to bring Joker in by the book. No, this is, I'm heating up towards my Batman, which is going to like, peeps are going to be freaking out by how I freaked out again. Gordon tells Batman to bring in the Joker by the book. And and I think that really shows his admirable qualities um, and just what, what sort of a stand-up guy that he is. But do you think in terms of what has happened, do you think this is believable? No. <laughs> Honestly, like, you know, I get the point. And I get what's going on, and I think I, I understand it. But like, I think that it it what it's trying to say is very admirable. I think it stretches a little too much into the realm of unbelievability, because because like what happened, to, what he knows what happened to Barbara. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's, a, it's I understand what he's saying, and I, and I I respect it. But I think that like he's that adamant about we must just bring him by the book. I think it's I wish they kind of push it a little bit more than just that strict thing. Mm-hmm. Did you say stripped? Well, no. I mean, like strict. Like oh, I, strict. Okay. I, 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 I like I like it in essence, but mm-hmm. I wish it were written just a little differently than how it was written. Yeah. But ultimately, I, ultimately, I, I do like. I'm not. I'm not saying Batman kill the Joker, but I'm, I'm saying like you know like 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 don't you know don't he's he's got to be arrested at the end of the day essentially. I'm looking at the what in the world. I'm just finding this panel here. Oh, I see him in the cage. Still in the cage, in the cage, in the cage. Oh, he does find all that amount. Okay. Um, and then he gives them. He gives them a cloak, maybe, and that's raining. Yeah, it's yeah. I think it, it it goes to show who he is. But if it were anybody else, I think it would be believable, you know. Um, but because it's so close to home, I kind of want him to tell him rip him to shreds. That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, think about what happened to Sarah Essen. Yeah, I mean, a lot of bad stuff has happened to this poor guy. Oh, okay, well, let's get into this. <laughs> Do it now. Batman's character. I'm going to start off easy. Do you think it's possible to mess up Batman's cowl like that? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know what, though? We're like, you know, three years into Danu 52. Like, where I said, it's all armor and, you know, Kevlar. It's just, Batman's wearing a costume in this one, which I like. I have no problem with it. But I understand that it's, 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 it's a bit on the goofy side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> was that you know, a softball? It was a softball. I, um, yeah, I was like, whoa, what's going on? And then I guess we are kind of, we're used to the current direction and the current style and everything that, my gosh, if anyone were to touch that, they'd probably be zapped to death. So just to see that happen is... And that's almost like a softball, just like, let's give... Uh, and we've had debates about, you know, Joker's fighting style and could he really keep up and everything. But um, that's like an easy way to put Batman down on his level and to get in a, a, a few well, good is, hits before um, everything happens. This is a Bronze Age... Like, I don't want to say this is, a, this is not a Bronze Age comic. This is a Dark Age comic. But, like, he's wearing the capsule belt. His costume has a yellow oval, and it's clearly made of, like, cloth. Like, mm-hmm. this is... This is, I mean, there's in no way is this like you know a high tech suit, and the Joker attacks him by with a two by four. He doesn't try to like you know, like like close quarters combat him. So this is this is again, it's one of those things to kind of remember exactly what era this was in. This wasn't two thousand eight. This was nineteen eighty eight. 
Here's another softball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to think of that. Joker, Joker, he, he pulls the trigger. And it seems like, I mean, given what he says, that, like, he's surprised that it's out. Uh, what are your thoughts that, like, I mean, is that just, like, an easy way? If it were filled and he oh. knew for sure that it was filled, would he have shot it? And think, does that go against, like, what we know of the, of the Batman-Joker relationship? I don't typically hold it strict to, like, you know, the Joker will never kill Batman because he loves him so much. I don't really say that as that's, like, you know, anytime the Joker attacks him, why is he attacking Batman? He, he, he loves him. I, I don't really hold that that strictly. Like, you know, it's like in Dark Knight Returns where he shoots him multiple times, even though he, he does literally say he loves him. So it's like one of those things where like, it's just a super villain, superhero fight. I don't really, it doesn't really register to me. Okay. Well, okay, I'm ready. I got that out of my system. Let me tell you why the Batman is a complete jerk in this book. <laughs> I have an idea. <laughs> and there, I mean, it's all surrounding one thing. And it's, uh, but then it breaks down into several instances. So I, I like Batman. And, and, you know, I said that he's he's not as compassionate. I, I think not as compassionate, I should clarif- clarify that, in terms of people that are outside of his little circle. But I think that people within the Bat family, um, he is so protective and loving of them. And I don't know if you can necessarily see that New 52, but I think you see that pre-New 52, crisis, post-crisis, all, the, all that stuff. Just how loving he is. I mean, look, he's, look at how many people he has taken in. Uh, I, I, I absolutely love the relationship between him and Cassandra Kane. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to, to say that he is not a loving person, especially towards his family, whether they be by blood or not, no one can say that. Having said that, this is perhaps the one of the worst characterizations I have ever seen of Batman in terms of his relationship with Barbara Gordon. <laughs> in my, what, what? Oh, you want to interrupt me? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. When I read this, it's like Batman and Barbara are people who have just a shower relationship. Maybe they're acquaintances, maybe a little heavier than acquaintances, but it is not what I think that we had been building for 30-some years. The first thing that, I'm going to be frank, pisses me off is the fact that Batman, I don't know how he got it, let's not even debate, he just has it, has a Joker card in his hand. You know, Joker always has those signatures. He had it from somewhere, I don't know if he got it from the cave, did it come from the crime scene, I don't know. He's got it in his hand as Bullock is telling him about everything that happened to Barbara Gordon. He crunches his up in righteous fury. He then places the card on Barbara's hospital bed. And not only that, but clearly in one panel, it is like in her sight. It's like on her like like basically where her gun wound is and i'm thinking to myself you unsympathetic fool 
I mean, what in the world? Why would you do that? I mean, all she would have to do, like, she could plainly see it. If she, there was no recognition for her, but it was in a spot that she could have seen it. And to have what just happened to her, and she was most likely conscious. uh, Maybe she blocked out. We can only pray to God that she blacked out at some point during all of that stuff. But that would be terrible. Talk about PTSD. That's like, that's the moment that I think she would forever flash on. So I have an extreme problem with that should i break up my rant and you you talk about that part you do what feels well okay okay honestly because i have nothing to say about it like oh you don't I, have anything because he's a I never... man lover no matter what kind of crap he does why are you talking like i'm not here <laughs> 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 like I, I the only time i ever noticed that car was even like like remaining in the scene was when i reread it like, uh, a couple of days ago i but it, it, it exited my mind Realistically, I absolutely agree with you, and I can't blame it on the art because Alan Moore is very notable for having in his in his writing in his scripts very specific details in each and every panel. So everything you see in the panel is exactly how he wants them to be through his artwork. So he wrote in the fact that the card is still there. I agree with you that like it for a trauma victim, it makes no sense for Batman to do that. So I, I have to agree with you. you. It's but uh, the fact that Barbara doesn't acknowledge it makes me not acknowledge it, but I, I will, I'm not going to argue with you that that was tactless. Well, I mean, she was, focusing on, she was focusing on her father, which, I mean, God bless her. I mean, to think about <laughs> she doesn't even, like, focus on what had just happened to her, but she's, like, tearing up and sobbing because she's worried about her father. And I'm like, yes, that is exactly, like, she's a selfless person, and I can definitely see that. I never expected Batman to go there, there, and comfort her and cradle her, so that's about on, on par with everything. But just, like, the way he talks, I, it's just... I don't know. I kind of want him to break down a little bit and be like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. But so there's point one. The other issue, going back to that first conversation he had with the fake Joker, is him continuing to want to rehabilitate and almost be friendly with, mind you, we're going to talk about that joke at the end, with the Joker after all that you know what has gone down. And, and it, this almost shows to me that he's got more concern for the Joker's well-being than Babs and Jim. And you can argue all you want, and I've accepted your argument about that first part that, you know, if you can, you can hate someone, but you can try to change it. He tried to change it. I guess, does it not count that he tried to change it and the Joker wasn't really there? But now he's trying to change it after all this stuff happened? Why doesn't he recognize that, like, there's no change? There's no talking with the Joker. This is what it's going to be like. And and I just have, I feel like the Batman I know and love is the Batman that loses control in death in the family, loses control in Hush. And especially now, when this stuff has happened to Babs and Jim, two people that he loves, and Jim saying, you know, do it by the books. I could see, like, Batman just grunting and going off, and then pound, 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 maybe not killing the Joker, but this just, it gets me upset, just like, man, do you love the Joker, and do you want to re- rehabilitate him more than you love Babs and, and, and Jim and what has just happened? So that's that's another problem that I have, and that's, I guess, my, my second problem, but just... My gosh, where's where's the love for your own family? I agree with you. Oh, you really? <laughs> I was yeah. re- I was like I was girding my ones right then. You could have heard a click of a belt. So really, 
Yeah, I okay. do. Okay, do you have anything to... I'm so happy! <laughs> <laughs> this entire oh. time, you've just been negative Nancy against me, so I'm so glad that you're <laughs> not a negative one. <laughs> no, I mean, do you have anything else to, to add, like what your perceptions were of, or you know, what your thoughts were of that whole thing when it was going down? Again, like, initially, when I, when I, when I reviewed this in the past, I would always admire it, but, like, mm-hmm. it goes back to... Uh, me rethinking this and like you got to think about it in like the context of, of the events as opposed to the context of this this graphic novel which may not even been meant to be in continuity initially but the fact of the matter is that like you know again whether she's Batgirl or not and she wasn't but Barbara Gordon you know essentially like you know, character that Batman has a relationship with has been paralyzed permanently and sexually assaulted his one of his best friends has been sexually assaulted and tortured tri- driven nearly to insanity it's not really the time for Batman to do this, and the only way this works is if, if these if these if these were people that he didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Which even then, I think it would be in kind of bad taste. But yes. like, if if this weren't Gordon and, and Barbara, then it's fine. But the fact that it is some of his closest friends in the world, it doesn't work. And, the, and I was and Josh and I were re, Josh and I were really contentious about this. Like we, we were kind of arguing. I don't want to say arguing, but we were like debating with ourselves. We don't we don't hate each other like you and me. <laughs> Like, uh, like, but I was, I was like saying, I can't get over my, in, out of my head because right after this, immediately after this, this is the same year, Jason Todd dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if yeah. Jason Todd were shot, stripped naked, and taken photographs and shown to Batman, obviously that puts in a different position. Obviously, Barbara Gordon isn't isn't Batman's son. She's a grown woman. She's not. She's not. She has her own agency. Batman's more responsible than Jason is for Barbara. But in terms of like people that's close to him. If that happened to Jason, I can't imagine him reacting this way. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't abdicate him reacting this way. That has happened to Barbara, and I feel that that's 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 part of the misogyny that comes. And misogyny and sexism isn't always active. It's not always intended. It's not always direct. But that's part of the whole, you know, well, women get in trouble, so we just kind of write it off as a part of the, part of the trope thing. We can't think that way. These are people with relationships in this fictional universe. So we can't. Just write her off as like you know, oh, a girl who was the daughter of his friend. It's Barbara Gordon, and you can't allow Batman's calm nature to supersede for the story to supersede the fact that like, this is what happened to his one of his close friends. Mm-hmm. So that's the fact of the matter is, and I wish I could like, I wish I could. The only way I like this is if I completely separate it from what's happened before in the story, and honestly, I can't do that at the end of the day. So I want I want to like it as much as I used to, but like the fact of the matter is, this can't happen because of what he of what the Joker did to Barbara and Jim, and so it doesn't work. Uh, and I I have no problem saying it doesn't work because it legitimately doesn't work. You got to think about what's happened to his family and friends, and it doesn't work. Yeah, and, and I don't want to play favorites, but I almost wonder if um if if Batman may have stronger feeling like may love Barbara a little bit more than Jason Todd just because like J- Jason I mean oh. he's a well I it's it's hard to say right but he, she, he has been he has known Barbara for longer and, and I think he there's also this mutual admiration and respect between the two of them and she's probably never disappointed him and and he was even when she quote died because of the comorant you know he was very upset by everything Did uh, he cry? I don't no, if he no, I thought he was upset. Did I, I, remember, I, I remember the, the issue, like like when did I say cry? Told, no, I I'm, I'm saying 
No, I'm Alfred saying, like, I remember that issue. When Alfred yeah. told him, oh, by the way, Batgirl died. Like, I think you see a panel where Bruce goes away and cries. Oh, actually, yeah, see? So I, I remember he was upset, and I remember Alfred crying when he was telling him. And, and Jason, at that point, I mean, he was causing some trouble. He had a bit of a rough past. And I, I just wonder, like... I don't know. I, I feel like him going overboard. If he goes over for for me, if he goes overboard for Jason, he's got to for Babs. You know, absolutely. I mean, I think I think I think for the majority of that of that bit, you may have been playing favorites because like you, whether Jason was a douche or not, he was Batman's son for all intents and purposes. But I know he has known Batman. He has known Barbara longer, and it doesn't. Just because it, the relationship is different between Jason and Barbara, it doesn't mean that like he would react any less, or he should react any less harsher to Barbara than it, than he does with Jason later that year. So yeah. the, the, the fact the fact remains that like he shouldn't be the be this way because of what happened to Barbara. So my last question, I guess, set is involving the joke, just a couple layers to it, and then uh, I'll get if you've got any. I'm sorry, I've been like taking control and asking my like questions and, and then of course i'm gonna leave time for some positive aspects which i feel like we've dotted throughout i mean you especially have come through and like i like this i like this um and i and i think you know i give it its due where it is in that one percent okay so uh, uh just like and, and i like this there's a positive batman's little speech at the beginning turns up at the end there's a bit of this at the beginning this joke but it is uh, completed here in the end um so it's kind of a turnaround here so joker says see there were these two guys in a lunatic asylum and one night they decide they don't like living in an asylum anymore. They decide they're going to escape. So they get up onto the roof and there, just across this narrow gap, they see the rooftop of the town stretching away in the moonlight. Stretching away to freedom. Now the first guy, he jumps right across with no problem, but his friend his friend daren't see make the leap um, because he's afraid of falling. So then the first guy has an idea. He says, hey, I have a, my flashlight with me. I'll shine it across the gap between the buildings. You can walk along the beam and join me. Kind of reminds me of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> but the second guy just shakes his head and he says, what do you think I am? Crazy? You turn it off, the light that is, when I was halfway across. And then he starts laughing. Batman starts laughing, and it's interesting because the um, the the picture, the images at the bottom, the panels at the bottom, you you see this mud, and you see a beam that's getting like cut off by the mud, and then the beam, and then you see the the night, which I assume it looks like wee wee. So it seems like it's the police, but it's very symbolic. I think of the light bridge as well because it's turned off at the end. So, okay, couple questions. First of all. What does this joke mean? I have my thoughts. Why? How does it relate to the current situation? <laughs> and and I guess the first question and the second question really relate because I think there is an allegory there. And uh, why why is Batman laughing? And, and I guess I didn't even know. I, I can't remember who first like I, I saw, but just this like the laughing. Someone wrote into me and mentioned something about the laughing, and of course I hadn't even read the story yet. So I was like, whatever. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay, I'm sure I'll know later. So why is he laughing? So what what do you think the joke means? How does it relate to the story? I think those go together. And why is Batman laughing? Do you want me the to joke? take this first, or do you want to go first? Uh, I can go I went, first. Okay, like please, please. The joke is literally about Batman and the Joker, and Batman is laughing because he kills the Joker at the end. I I feel like you're joking. No, I'm not. Have you not heard this? Wait, you're being serious. 
but okay, but he, he doesn't kill the Joker. But, oh, okay, because well, I'm like looking thing. at this. Here's, here's, like, here's, here's the thing. Like, like real talk. Like Batman killing the Joker is like a legitimate interpretation of the ending, mm-hmm. because if you look at the joke, the joke is about Batman and the Joker and how crazy they are. Like you know, Batman is telling Joker, "I can work with you. Come with me. Let me help you." The Joker says, "No, it's too late." The joke is the the guy says, "You'll turn off when I'm halfway across, meaning you'll kill me." Batman laughs because he understands how the Joker's about the two of them. And in the end of the the page, when you look at the panels. In the middle panel, you see Batman grabbing the Joker in almost a pain reaction. And the last three panels are the lights going off where the bridge of light goes away and there's nothing but darkness, symbolizing that Batman's killed the Joker. Ideally. Now, the only reason that the Joker's not dead is because, oh, I don't know, he's alive in the next issue of Batman Detective Comics. But, like, it's, it's a visualization that, that kind of, like, like, echoes the joke, since the Joker is about Batman and the Joker. It echoes the, the title, which is called The Killing Joke. And... I'm not going to say I'm smart to figure this out because I remember in Batman on Batman famously Grant Morrison said that like no one's got the fact that Batman kills a Joker at the end. I think it's, it's, a, it's a perfectly valid interpretation if you take this story on its own. And I think that's what uh, the joke is and that's how, the, that's how the thing ends. That's the only reason why Batman laughs. Otherwise, it's, it's character assassination. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that I think the joke is about or, you know, it's an allegory for their, their relationships, you know, the two of them. Because I don't think, you know, I'm sure Joker had this joke before, but I think it works in this particular situation. The Bridge of Light, um, I, deeper than, like, the help, because obviously the one guy is going to help the other guy. I, I really saw that as Batman. This is what Batman is offering. I mean, he's offering rehabilitation. And so this Bridge of Light is this rehabilitation Mm-hmm. for yes. Joker, you know, to turn around and everything. And it's not only the chance that the the one guy can turn off the bridge of light and that person falls, but it's also the fact that the person across the way doesn't trust the other guy. Mm-hmm. Because I think if there, if there were full trust, then, I mean, what's to say that the bridge of light doesn't remain? And I think that, you know, Joker, I, I think there's an unwillingness for Joker to completely change. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think trust is ever going to be in their relationship, but just the fact that he's not going to accept that bridge of light. He, he wants to stay, I think the way he is, there's no turning back for him. I don't see there being a killing. I, I like the three panels at the end. You can see the police person, you know, is coming and then the, the bridge. And, and I just foresaw that as, you know, is Batman laughing because, well, I mean, look at all the stuff that happened. So, do we connect it back to the acid treatment and that there's a complete breakdown and Batman's just laughing because it's the end of a very bad day? And and I just saw that lights as in like Joker is he's getting picked up. I mean, Batman was told to do it by the book. He seemed like he was ready to do it by the book. He had a little speech. He wasn't throttling him. But why would he throttle him now if he didn't five minutes ago? So I, I just foresaw that as like. He's rejecting that help. Joker's rejecting that help, and he's being, you know, carted away back to where he's meant to be. So I don't think he's getting killed. But that's my – I just think the Bridge of Light is also – I mean, I think it's about trust, and do you believe that it will last? Because, I mean, if you think – I said Indiana Jones, uh-huh. but I think it's a perfectly logical comparison. Because in the last crusade, um, there are men, many 
uh, for like lack of a better term, like biblical challenges almost, like faith and everything, but it's all like very tangible. And there's there's a bridge there, and if you believe, you can cross that bridge, but if you can't, then you will fall down. And so Indiana Jones is like, eh. and he finally he <laughs> believes and he crosses it. And I think that's part of that right there. And and do you have a desire? Do you have the faith needed to cross that? Do you have the trust needed to cross it? And I think in the end, Joker didn't. Um, so it's not just about the person with the light beam, but the person who's about to cross the light beam. So that's my thought. Maybe I could be really idiotic, and it's not that at all. But you know, <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. Yeah. So, so those are my thoughts. Any comments on those? I'm not seeing the Last Crusade. I've only seen the first oh, and fourth. Okay. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's 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 fair enough. I think that like because uh, I mean again, having read the story before, I I honestly. Personally, uh, I got a, I read this story. I got this collection when I was a teenager. I didn't really understand the joke. Now I see it's it's actually bloody obvious that it's Batman and the Joker. I have a hard time disbelieving that ending that he kills the Joker because it yeah. feels that like visually it really does work. And the reason why he, the Joker still alive is because it's a comic book and they made this in continuity. But, but 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 the fact that like he doesn't kill the Joker and we know he doesn't, it sucks that Batman lasts with him because after all what's happened to his friends like that. Yeah, that really really bites. And I, I wish think that, it, yeah. I, I I I wish that I wish you can't ignore the fact of what happened to his friends. Otherwise, I I would still love the story. Um, um, it was funny. I, I was doing I was doing mad research for this uh yes. discussion and show the, me up. <laughs> yeah, as always do. Like you know, just what people say about this. I read I read an interpretation that like you know, of course Batman doesn't kill the Joker. How stupid of an idea is that? He kisses him, of course. Oh, there's, wait, did someone really say that? Yeah, they made a whole academic essay about how this is a big like homosocial homoerotic underlying subtext within the story mm. which i mean i think the, the joker certainly invites that i don't know if that's all really there because they got into some weird instances where honestly and you know i, I have no real problem against that but like honestly it, i didn't find much sense to come come from that like the image of the bob king uh picture in the back gives like batman refuting his homonormative lifestyle i was like i don't think so but i tend to think of the ending as a great allegory and visualization of what could happen, but in terms of the continuity of the characters, it's it's uh, it is troublesome and worrying. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think uh, we get to that homoeroticism until we get to Snyder's Batman, where there is like, I mean, Joker even admits to kind of the love that he has, well, but again, I don't think it's a sexual love. I'm sorry. What? Dark Knight, Dark Knight, I'm sorry. I don't mean I don't mean interrupt you, but um, Dark Knight Returns kind of introduced the joke, the idea of Joker as sort oh, of like a queer little, character. So, yeah. Um, but like, uh, I, and, and start back. I think, I mean, I think there there are different levels of love, though. Um, and again, I, I think he's a very asexual creature, like your little Piccolo character. My little Piccolo character. He's like so- <laughs> <laughs> with the turban, the green character that looks like a goblin. So, yeah. so I mean, I think he has respect and admiration, and he may love him, but I don't think it's any like I don't I don't think that's like that. Yeah, and I agree that I mean I just tried to explain the laughing. I honestly don't know why. I think it's super bizarre. I think it would be better if the lights just like showed up and took him away. Um, I know Michael Bailey really doesn't like that. <laughs> Michael Bailey does. I don't. I don't understand it. So um, yeah, I think it would be better without it. I think it would it would have been more in character. I mean to think like, I mean if you, someone reading it with like if we just you know literature we don't have this luxury. I feel like there are always deeper meanings. But if we just read it very shallow like. Hmm. Batman's laughing after Babs got shot and is paralyzed and was sexually assaulted, and Jim Gordon yep. just got stripped down and was like very uh, 
Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. So we've got some time left here uh, before the big event. So, Donovan, I just want to give you, you know, do you have any other questions that I didn't cover? Do you have any positive remarks that you want to make? I don't know if I can grade. I was wondering if you're going to pressure me to grade it, and I don't know if uh, I no. could, really. It, no, it's no, very it's hard. It's very hard. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of your time, and I'll interject or, you know, comment if the need arises. Yeah, I just have some, some notes which I want to note, but they, don't, they aren't going to take too much time. Because I think, really, there's a lot to like in this comic if, if, if you kind of dance around the, <laughs> the Gordons. Uh-huh. Let's just take a scissors to this and make our own book. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> Let's just like, cut out what we don't want. I think the artwork is awesome. I agree. Love the art. This is some of the best, most gorgeous Batman artwork you're ever going to see just like this this kind of like big brawny but athletic batman the realistic details to his cape like it's like all leather but the fact that it is still a costume i love this batman i really i really do and this joker was highly influential people the whole skinny like you know kind of horse face joker that was kind of introduced by jim aparo but this is brolin taking that aparo design and really like making it memorable with like kind of the crazy hair because like, this influenced how the Joker looked like, all throughout the decade of the 90s. So this is sort of like a visual influence there. And um, beyond like, like the, the style of the artwork, there are a lot of artistic details which are, which are like vintage, like just classic Alan Moore. I don't, I'm, I'm sure people are going to say, like, you know, I know there's a lot of people that don't like characters, or characters, writers like Alan Moore or Grant Morrison or Frank Miller. Like, you know, they're not so smart. I hate them because they're pretentious and you see. And I, I, I don't like that kind of. Uh, dismissal of a character writer because they have the good points and their bad points and sometimes they're brilliant and sometimes they're stupid so you know but I think that like in this story you have a lot of like trademark Moore-isms like every time there's a scene transition there's a visual there's a visual representation of the scene transition some of it's obvious and some of it's like a little bit more subtle like you have um, like from the, from the very beginning like Batman saying where is the Joker the next image is the guy saying oh there you are and then you have, before you go back to the flashback, uh, uh, Joker is passing a fat lady poster. Then you see his pregnant wife. You have um, instances of uh, the, guys, the, dead, the dead guy smiling. And then you have cut to the Joker car, which is he's smiling. You just have certain, just things like that. Like, I mean, some things are more obvious than others, like Barbara holding onto Batman's cape. And then you have uh, Gordon being disrobed. Gordon going through the doors and the, and the ride, the faces are kind of like in the next panel, like like the faces like the Joker poster, the the figure with his two arms to the side, like the, like the mob boss there, the leopard is like with the the prostitutes with the leopard skins. So this looks like some visualizations which are in the script, which is kind of cool. Um, just like certain details, like the, the the sign "Crazy to Work Here," like in the uh, in the secretary's office at Arkham Asylum, you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. Kind of like relates to Batman, I think, which is kind of interesting. You don't have to be crazy to you know deal with the Joker, but it helps if you are. The Silver Age imagery with like you know the Golden Age Batman and Joker, and you have like the Silver Age picture with. What did you think about that picture in the Batcave? Did you have any thoughts on that with Batman and Batwoman, <laughs> Batgirl, Robin, Gordon? Oh, Bat that was super nice, but I think it it just goes to my reasoning of like. That's a Batman I know and love, the one that like cherishes, I think, those nostalgic moments and, and loves his family. But then we go 40 pages later, and you know he's not necessarily defending them. So I, I liked it. Okay. I think it's interesting. Like, I, I, it's one of those, the biggest like, WTH moments, because like, you know, wouldn't Gordon wonder why he's offered here? But never mind. And also, like, like the next panel, you see the whirly bat from the Silver Age Batman story, so that's kind of cool. The Joker's bottle uh, in the shooting Barbara scene says... Plaisant farceur, 
which is French for um, clown something. I don't know. I, I looked it up. Apparently, uh, the the and throughout this entire story, the names Batman and Joker are never spoken, which I think is kind of cool. Personally, I, I'd actually never noticed that, but I heard that I've read that it was, and I kind of looked back and yeah, they don't actually say their names. It's kind of interesting. One thing I looked up that apparently this book was banned in the Nebraska Library because um, people thought that there was a rape in here, but like there was a big contention because like they said that there wasn't explicit any sort of rape, and that kind of started the whole or the Gordon's rape in the story or not, and that kind of that's kind of the origins of that essentially. And um, those are my basic kind of like you know nitpick notes in terms of like you know bits I liked. I just artistically, I, I I marvel at some of these panels artistically. Like when Batman first shows up and Joker's like smiling at him. He's glaring at him. I love that panel of the Joker. It's one of my favorite Joker images of all time. And just, like, the first thing Batman kind of does... He does... Okay, he doesn't give the appropriate amount of of uh, punishment to the Joker. But there are bits. I do like the fight scene where he kind of beats the crap out of him. And um, he leaps at him from the Batmobile. I thought it was kind of cool. I know you don't like Batman in the story. But one of my favorite moments is when Joker's doing his whole, like, you know, rant about why madness is the only sanity out there. And why, why aren't you laughing? I love the moment where Batman bursts through the Hall of Mirrors and says, because I've heard it all before and it wasn't funny the first time. And he proceeds to like the supervillain superhero fight scene. I think that's one of my favorite Batman moments out there. I just wanted to mention that before uh, you stick your tongue out at it. <laughs> but those are my main notes before we uh, move on. That's great. I, I have nothing further. So I was just going to end with positive moments. I think I end with a middle finger toward my face, but okay. Um, Two actually. Um, <laughs> 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 but it's not enough, my friend. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, yeah, I hope you uh, listeners enjoyed our discussion on the the book and really breaking apart. And and the next part or episode, I have I haven't decided. I guess it should be a separate episode. It's going to be the call-in where people like you are calling in and telling us what their thoughts are and everything. So, And I will say that the music in the call-in show is going to be music actually taking the lyrics that, that Joker is actually saying about just being kind of a mad world um, and don't get angry or don't get even get mad, that kind of thing. And I found two different artists that have covered it, and one's super laid back and folky, oh, yeah. and the other one's like heavy metal. So uh, maybe I'll play both of them at the the head and at the tail and everything. So just so you know, that that's actually coming from this particular book. Thank you, Donovan, for coming on, but we're we're not done with you yet. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember, you can send. I'd probably just send comments uh, about this. Um, if you didn't make it, you know, I'll read them the next episode uh to backroll the oracle at gmail.com like the show on facebook or follow us at uh backroll the oracle on twitter like batman universe thanks to mile high comics and tweaked audio for sponsoring bto and uh kill that joker and fly, <laughs> <laughs> and fly on babs lovers just plain barbara gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special batgirl cycle who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you? Places, worn out places, 
worn out faces bright and early for their daily races going nowhere going nowhere the tears are filling up their glasses no expression no expression hide my head i want to drown my sorrow no tomorrow no tomorrow and i find it kind of funny i find it kind of sad the dreams in which i'm dying are the best i've ever had i find it hard to tell you i find it hard to take when people run in circles it's a very very Is that some sort of Asian Comic Con? The Renaissance Fair? You never knew Rena- Renaissance Fair? <laughs> uh, no, I've never gone to a Renaissance Fair. Really? You should you should go. I think you'd very much like it. It's I probably would. I really liked it when Kevin and I went to the the Jane Austen Festival. So that'd be good. Well, it's um, you know, like like everybody is dressed up like they're out of time, and there's like human chess, and there's these crazy games, and um. Uh, yeah, my friend Shay. I went with my friend Shay, and like she took that picture. And, and my brother said I look like R. Kelly in like his sex video. I was like, oh, okay. But um, aside from that, I think it looks cool. So about this note, how did your mom even? Did she was she about to disturb you? And then she well, saw. I was it? I was in the process of taping it to my door. Uh huh. And um, usually whenever I get up in the morning, I try to get go to the gym before my mom asks me to do something. Yeah. So she was like walking down the hall saying, "Don't you try to burn rubber on me, Donovan." <laughs> 
and I was like, I, I, yeah, yeah, she says it. And I was like, actually, like, actually, I'm doing the episode. I'm not going anywhere today. And she like turned her head slightly, and it says, big recording, do not disturb. I mean it, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And she says, you know, you should really put a please in there. That way it sounds nicer. And I put in like an asterisk above the I mean it, please. Okay. And so okay. far, I don't hear a, a single peep from anybody, not even the dog. And I, they may have so, gone out. yeah, I'm wondering how the dog is going to react to this if she's learned to read English or she's just standard to, like, uh, Chinese and Japanese characters. Because uh, you didn't really think about that, did you? My dog, um, if anything, would read Spanish because she's half uh, Chihuahua. Oh, very true. Very true. Hey, is there anything that you're going to want to get off your chest when we when we start recording to the listeners? Because you haven't even been on since um, I had that intervention with all those lovely non-Asian women. And, I mean, are, are you going to try to apologize to what... I have nothing to apologize for. <laughs> How dare you imply that that's actually my life? No, you're, you're, no, I'm not. I'm not going to reference it until you least expect it. Although I want, I did want to mention Jesse's engagement, if that's okay with you. Oh, when are you going to mention that? Uh, can I mention it before we talk about the comics? Like, oh, kind of. Oh, yeah, okay. You don't want to mention it like before he calls in. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay, that's right. I forgot about that. So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, it would be. It would work out. That's true, that's true. Mm-hmm. Hey, so I have a question for you. Oh, okay. If you had a choice uh-huh. between which comic you would need to keep and which comic you had to burn, mm-hmm. and you had to keep one and burn the other one, which would this be? Would it be The Killing Joke, mm-hmm. or would it be... Wait a minute. Okay. The issue of Batgirl where she fought vampires that you hated? Wow. Um, I think I would probably still... I would burn the... The Batgirl issue, um, really? because I think like there are like Killing Joke it does have its eh, it does have its merits like it does have um, interesting moments and I think the art is like wonderful I think that that's probably one of the best points of the whole thing. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and there, I mean, overall, I didn't really like the story, and I, I'll get into reasons why. But I don't think like I thought. I think it had some sort of logical path to it. I just didn't think that a lot of things worked out as well, whereas the Batgirl issue I just thought was like there were so many problems with it and and nothing really made sense and I had no idea. And I'm still to this day like wondering why it was only two issues when it seemed like it was about to be something else. I mean the vampire – I vampire popped in, took that girl out and left. And I'm just like what is going on? Isn't this title canceled like when when that came out? I vampire? I have no idea. I even on the podcast is like, I'm sorry, I have no like any clue as to who I vampire is. I guess that's one of my failings as a host. If I encounter something new, I should probably research it so I can be somewhat like, hey. But I I just felt like it had no relevance, so I just kind of went on my on my merry way. But maybe I'll do that. Maybe that'll be one of my goals for upcoming podcasts one thing is that it's just good news is that like you can start off this gloomy episode with like like excellent news for your for your for your show yeah considering this considering um cameron stewart stuff you bet Cha. your bottom dollar i figure <laughs> okay, be- annie <laughs> i figure between yeah and annie's african-american now i'm actually really I, I, i'm sure everyone hates it but I, i'm actually really looking forward to that because I, th- I think it looks really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, I don't really want, I don't really watch kid kids movies, but I like Jimmy Fox. Uh, that girl that they hired to play Annie was like a, a critically acclaimed for another movie, and um, I, I I think it's it's like one of those like updates that looks like it's a good update and not an arbitrary update. But um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you won't see it. Never mind. <laughs> no, I mean I think. Uh, well, I mean it's going to be different, and I think that like people will just have to accept that. I always. Um, have to look at it on the side of just the art itself and, and how well is it being performed. The artwork. <laughs> no, no, the art itself. No, because I'm just wondering, um, as far as I can tell, I mean, everything's like a hip-hop version of, you know, boom, boom, it's a hard knock. What, what? No, it's not just like that. They don't really do that. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I'm just wondering how everyone, you know, is going to sing and how it comes together. And Cameron Diaz, like, she's obnoxious, you know. And um, I was thinking one day about her in this. And then I thought to myself, oh, my goodness. Have you ever seen My Best Friend's Wedding? No. I laugh out loud at a certain moment. I really bonded with some college roommates over this. But in that, um, it's not this moment that I laugh at, but... Cameron Diaz is the woman that she's going to get married to the best friend of Julia Roberts. And at one point she starts singing, um, I say a little prayer for you, like in a bar or something. And it is awful. It is like, I mean, it's, it's, it is meant to be awful. Like everyone is, but, um, and Julia Roberts is hoping that maybe this is a way that (laughs) the, the friend will turn to her, but the friend finds it somewhat endearing. But my thinking was, oh my gosh, what if like she really can't sing and they use that just as a plot point. And now, oh my gosh, we have her as Ms. Hannigan is this. So that's, you know, that's my only concern. How's it is? I mean, she could speak, sing through it, I guess, but I guess we'll see. We... Well, the other night, I remember, um, like, the 1980s version of Annie was on, which I saw as a little kid, and I have seen the play. Um, so, like, I mean, I remember that. I, yeah, I'm not an artist. You were Annie in that play. Oh, do what? I said you were probably Annie in that play. Yeah, probably. No, I wasn't. But, like, I mean, I, I, I'm not an ardent reader of the news strip, but, like, you know, I, I've seen it a lot when I was a kid. So I think that, like, uh, it's interesting that the kind of Cassie's – Fairly distinctive actresses as I don't I forget the the caretaker's name but you know the mean uh, um, den mother but um, I know that uh, my mom actually has a book by Cameron Diaz about eating healthy um, oh. she said she says she's, that she really enjoys it although I'm not I'm not really enjoying Cameron Diaz since the mask so it's a it's a fifty fifty toss for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well just looking at this art again. And then the other art where, like, she's taking a picture of her and... Oh, and the breakdown of, like, what leather jacket. I like how one says, like, X. Leather jacket, not spandex. And, like, it's also interesting because, like, there's a the check mark where it's, like, check. It's almost, um... What's what are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. The Batgirl costume. Oh, okay. It's but almost just, uh, yeah. steampunk a little bit. It's got a bit of that, I, I think, quality it, I, to I, it. It kind of looks like it, but at the same uh, time, yeah. it's like, uh, I mean, obviously, it's not steampunk because it's not like, you know, old Victorian oh, yeah. metal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I like just there's one jacket that says, like, check mark that it's, you know, leather. And then the other one, it has an X on it, and it's, like, very sexualized and, like. Yeah, don't do that. Your, that and I am so glad that they aren't doing that, you know, because, um, and, and I think Bailey always said, Babs always seems like a a with a B, I think maybe a B cup to him. And Level B. Uh, what? 
level B. <laughs> sure. Which I think is because I think out of all the characters, like she just should not be sexualized. I think she's, she's an attractive person. But again, you know, I just don't like that thought. Uh, but yeah, just looking at this in the breakdown and I like how um, her uh, her what belt kind of. Huh? Uh, what, what about her belt? Oh, just that it 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 slopes to the side, which I think is I think it goes back. Almost uh, back row year one. Yeah, Stephanie for sure. Um, oh, and what do you think about the way that like she looks? She she looks visually old, uh, younger. Younger, yeah. Do you think that's like? Uh, I guess I mean the character in this version is legitimately like you know she is in her early twenties. So, but uh, this one, she, she I would struggle to say that she looks older than like nineteen or twenty one. I mean, even though the character herself might be older than that. Well, it's I mean it even says you know redesign. Um, <clears throat> yeah, she is. <laughs> this is. A super young Batgirl, and, um, you know, she's going back to grad school, whatever that means. Uh, I don't right, know if that means <laughs> that she never went to grad school. No, you said? She's go- she, the fact that she's going back to grad school implies that she's going back to grad school. <laughs> well, no, but does it? No, it doesn't. Oh, like that she left grad school, but she's going back to it? Yeah, or does it mean that she never went there in the first place, so we are kind of going backwards in time? Because she had to have, she had a degree, remember, in in um, well, this isn't like forensics a, or whatever. This this isn't like a, forensic a psychology. She, she is like this is a forward momentum into her history. Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah, but it, I wonder if it's a like a complete reboot. Um. Well, Josh told me that like he read that Alicia is going to be in the book, but she's not going to be a roommate anymore. Well, that'd be great. So um, <laughs> I don't hate that character. I'm sorry. Like I mean, I know I I did not like her when she first appeared, but like as it went on. Like, there were so many worse things in that book that, like, she became sort of, like, a non-issue to me. Although I know that, like, her frequent, um, her frequent nightlife is a bit of a, uh, a bugaboo. It your... gets in bugaboo, bugaboo. You know who sang that song? You did just now? Destiny's Child, Fool. My goodness. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, there's other songs that just Destiny Child sang that stuck in my mind, like, um. Bills, Bills, Can you bills? pay my bills? Can't pay my telephone bills. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a have, poor puppy upstairs. I think I don't think it's a dog, but just you know, like barking, bark, 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 and no one is you know coming to aid this puppy, which makes me believe that the owners have left. And then I think to myself, why did you get a puppy when like there are frequent times that I'm like, God, should I be calling? child protective services because like the mother like screams so no for like this maybe four-year-old i don't even know two to four but like screams and i can like hear it all and it's very terrifying some people don't know how to deal with children yeah but why would you get a puppy if you like can't handle that i mean that's even worse now you've got two kids Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah, I, I, I don't know i'm honestly wondering like if i get older when i live on my own if i would ever get a pet again because Oh, they're awesome. I, it, it would be hard to take care of without more people in the house. Well, I guess should we just get started? <laughs> it's all you. This this is your this is your moment. So like, uh, I am ready and willing when you are. I'm actually very excited about this. Should I start the show? Oh, no. Is there anything you want to get off your chest regarding Dragon Ball Z before we start? 
Well, okay. Oh, namely yeah, yeah, yeah. how, how, how you lie to your audiences. You lie to your audiences day in, day out. I come out with the perfectly legitimate summary of Dragon you Ball Z. <laughs> and I'm just like, and then like you and Jesse got to tear me down like mine wasn't good enough. And it hurts my heart. I will advertise the latest episode that we recorded on Wednesday because we spent at least a couple of minutes uh, bashing you and your te- and your uh, program because you got the show wrong. And um, although the clips you played were very funny. <laughs> with Vegeta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, you know, it's it's... It's hard to understand, and I did the best I could. <laughs> you could have done better. <laughs> I, in a ball, which they throw. Yeah. Rock. rocket. I mean, I didn't want to go into discussion about panties. I thought that's really going to get off. So, I mean. It's a major spoiler, actually. I think, <laughs> I, I think I did a reasonable job. A reasonable job at re- betraying me. As I remember, I was, all, I was on my, I was on my, uh, my weekly constitution around the neighborhood, and I stopped dead in my tracks and fell to the ground on the concrete and just, just, uh, sobbed profusely. Because you clearly didn't care to get any details right. <laughs> well, the thing is, recording secret is that the laugh that I had at the end and I had to like power through it really happened before I even started the summary. Because I knew what was about to happen, and it was, like, really kind of funny. And so I cut it and moved it to the end after the Vegeta clip. Vegeta is how it's pronounced. Vegeta. Vegeta. There, are, there are all these foods. There's, like, mini French fry, big Papa French fry. Yeah, so, I mean, why not? What? Like, you have uh, Napa. You have Raditz. Yeah. You have Goku's uh, original name, Kakarot. You have, like, all, all, all and even in Japanese, like, uh, there are names that which mean different things in Japanese that are all foods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, anyway. <laughs> it's a nice show. It's, it's a, it, we've, we've done 31 episodes on a show based on characters, based on uh, names, based on foods, so. Yeah. So I guess it's possible. I mean, I've been going on, this is the 82nd episode, and I've only been talking about one character, so you could be going on for ages. You know, when you visit, I'm going to show you. When I visit. The, when uh, what? The show? Well, I mean, um, um, when you come over for San Diego, uh-huh. uh, I'll show you uh, the best DBZ movie, which is the second one. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 like it's like barely sixty minutes long, but like it's it's like the most awesome example of the show. And I I, I know you're not gonna care about it, but just just just. <laughs> give, give, oh my goodness! Just to give you just to give you a glimpse of um, you know that side of my life, which you uh aggressively ignore. I remember, I remember the, the look of excitement on your face when you took a picture of that big mock-up in San Diego. I don't know if it was last year or the year before where Super Saiyan Goku was like, like just screaming and you kind of like had a thumbs up with like this big blase look on your face. Yeah. It's one of my favorite pictures. Oh. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Um, oh yeah, we'll have to cleanse our palates after that and watch Fast and Furious. Number one. I wouldn't say cleanse our palates, but like uh, I wouldn't say that. Well, I'll, I'll, I would. I would uh, say it. Okay. You don't even know. You don't even see a single episode. How could you betray me with something that you've not even seen? I've seen clips, and I can put those clips together in my mind and make up a whole thing. Well, not every episode is them learning to drive, yeah. which they fail to get their license by the end. Well, it seems like it. Okay, I'm going to get this ball rolling. I thought maybe that news thing we could read it. You know, in the old TBU way. You can be the person. Um, which there's there's multiple like. like I just op- sent you the one I like the MTV one. Okay, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, yeah, okay. Thank you. That's not.
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs>